Tune out with Nevia by Moen, the spa shower that offers double the coverage using about half the water, making it look, sound, and feel totally different. Learn more at moen.com slash Nevia. Oh yeah, big surprise, The Rock right here on Raw. Why The Rock? I'll tell you why. The Rock, I'll tell you why, because see, last night, last night at No Way Out, The Rock did Vince McMahon a favor, and he whooped that red and yellow candy ass. And then, and then, Vince McMahon did the rock of favor. He said, Rock, you can go wherever you want to go. You can do whatever you want to do. So the rock said he wanted to go live Monday night on Raw. More importantly than that, the rock said he wanted to come right here to Toronto, Canada. Rock something up in this crowd, if you ask me. And then the rock said, uh, uh, wait a minute. Are you, are you kidding the rock? Are you kidding the rock? What? Is this the first time you've ever heard someone mention your city? Is that it? Oh, yay! Hooray! He said Toronto! Yay! Woo! Yay! That's where we live! We live in Toronto! Yay! Shut up! Oh. I know this is going to be a surprise to many out there, but believe it or not, The Rock's run in 2003 is my favorite heel run that The Rock has ever done. I kid you not. And I know some of you who are younger might focus on more 98, 99-ish. And yes, when he broke out of the Nation of Domination, he was still a heel, but... I don't know. There was just something about 2003 that just took it to a whole new level because the fans wanted so hard to cheer the guy and he just knew how to get them to get pissed off. It was it was great. It was absolutely great. We'll share that whole promo later on in this week in wrestling history. Season two, episode eight. Don Tony here as always. I want to thank you so much for listening. This week we covered a period of February 19th through February 25th. And uh, we're going to start tightening up these episodes a little bit because I noticed they've been going three and a half to four hours, which might be a little bit too much. So a little bit less of my talking, a little bit shorter of the clips. And I think everybody will find it manageable. I mean, look, I know about 90% of you out there are going to say, no, 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 leave it, leave it. No. We have to start shifting it a little bit. Plus, we don't want to reiterate stuff that we've brought up in the past, but I have to open up with this. 1978, Bob Backlund defeats superstar Billy Graham in Madison Square Garden to win the Worldwide Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Championship. And I'm going to play the, the majority of the match. It doesn't run that long, but I'm also going to play a clip from superstar Billy Graham. And superstar Billy Graham, I have said over the years, anybody that goes back to hotline days with me knows that as a kid, I was a huge fan of Billy Graham. Wasn't in my top five, but absolutely loved his work. He, as the years go by, just becomes bitter and bitter and bitter. And after you hear Billy Graham's comments, I'm going to throw a couple of little tidbits of facts out there that will really, you know, I think put in perspective that Billy Graham is more bitter than anything else but here you go flashback 1978 bob backland defeats graham and by the way with this win officially bob backland began began his run of heavyweight champion what was it 2135 days i believe it is it's just 2135 here you go 
Just a tremendous opportunity. And Graham, with so many successful title defenses, knowing full well, he's meeting without a doubt the most scientific challenger ever. Graham, quickly behind, with those python-like arms, tremendous strength by the superstar, his greatest asset. Backlund trying to work into the fingers, you see him. Backlund to the side now, split the elbow through. Back around, nice flick by Bob Backlund. Very nicely done, and superstar quickly reaches for the rope. Referee again, and oh, Bob Backlund to give it a break. This is what he's worked so hard for. Former collegiate champion. Scratch, clawed all his way to the top, rung of the ladder. Finally now, tonight in Madison Square Garden, he has his opportunity. Over 20,000 fans jam-packing Madison Square Garden, sensing that this just may be the night that Superstar loses the title. Crafty Superstar. Trying to bury his chin now in the back of the roll. Off the rope. Look at this. Punch up for the head. Kind of one, two. No. Backlund so close. And again, Superstar Graham hooking the rope. Graham, very cagey, very smart indeed. Knowing at all times the proximity of his whereabouts as it relates to the rope to the ring. And again, the referee moves Bob Backlund back. Backlund the aggressor here in this match. Normally, in the past, we have seen Superstar the aggressor. Just about ready to lock up again. Quickly behind, Full Nelson. Backlund will have a tough time breaking the Full Nelson of the powerful Superstar Billy Graham. Backlund, if he wants to submit, Backlund not trying to find a measure of escape, to scram again, fighting to hold the back. Look at that! Nicely done! Some sort of oil, perhaps. And again, Superstar raising the ire of the would-be champion, Bob Backlund. This young man has so much support. So many fans behind him. Through the months, there's been a concerted effort to keep Bob Backlund away from the top challengers, away from the top champions indeed, but finally Bob Backlund has a way. Superstar to the rope now, shoulder block, down he goes. Powerful Graham off again. Backlund puts it behind him, puts the pitching over, sunset trip. We've got a new. No, we do not. No. No. For a moment, it appeared as though indeed we had a new champion in Bob Backlund. a certain electricity here tonight in Madison Square Garden. The fans sensing perhaps that Bob Backlund just may pull it off. And then again, so many fans have been disappointed thinking that Superstar Graham would bow to defeat. Graham, having been champion now for almost a year, gaining in confidence, 22-inch arms have really powered his way through any number of matches. A regular face by the superstar Graham, who has back, but now up, 
Clap down to the canvas. Now superstar Graham again asserting himself. As he's up the nose, ball package. Where's the referee? One, turn it two, and oh, go oh, very, very close. Oh, Bob Backlund appears to be gaining momentum all along. Backlund moving in now, and Graham goes for the ride. Back and running, Graham. Get up, come at him. This is all the young challenger needed. To feel this momentum going his way. He had all the confidence in the world coming into the match. Graham always staying close to the rope. Must be very careful. Now Graham gets to the rope. Backlund with a drop kick, it misses. Landing on his left shoulder. Did very well have dislocated the shoulder. And again, you see the craftiness, the caginess of superstar Billy Graham. Kicking the champion, the would-be champion in the back of the head. Massive forearm drives Bob Backlund down to the canvas. Superstar again. You see very little in the way of scientific technique on the part of superstar Billy Graham. He normally, as we have seen many times here in Madison Square Garden, will win his matches with brute strength. Backlund with a somewhat desperate lunge a moment ago into the midsection, but Graham now drops the elbow again on the back of the head. For the ride, it's Bob Backlund. Superstar Graham! There he goes! Another successful title defense. The superstar bear hug goes python right arm around the waist in midsection of Bob Backlund as Graham begins to squeeze. Backlund hanging in there. Superstar Graham who's won many, many matches. Wait a minute, Backlund has the elbow hook. He's taking some leverage away from Superstar. Backlund just may break the Superstar bear hug. where so many men have not. No, it would appear. Wait a minute, Blackman trying to go to the inside. Earlier on, he was on the outside. Could not get it. You can see the fingers separating. Bob Blackman is going to break the superstar bear hug. Blackman going to the inside. Getting momentum. Look at the fingers sticking to the pressure. Bob Blackman's like, over the hip. That's good time. Feel the effects of the bear hug, but no, yeah, there we go, right back at it. Superstar Tenacious. Referee asking Bob Backlund if indeed he wants to call it quits at this juncture. Both men in a punishing type matchup. Graham does not have the leverage down on one knee. Now he's back up. He'll gain more leverage. Put more pressure now on the bear hug. to the inside again. 
minutes here. Two again. Back up now. Unbelievable sprint by challenger Bob Backlund. In Madison Square Garden here tonight, it's a long way. where he won the NCAA collegiate title now. Play out to the run. That's orbital stretch if he can get it. Yes, indeed. Kicks it in quite well now. That could very well be it. No, that's not it. Graham again. Every time you think you have Graham, he comes up with something you know full of it. I said, what, is he this committed to Bob Backlund? Is Vince Sr. this, and which he was, because he did not want to be proven wrong, Vince Sr. He had put a year into getting Bob Backlund over every week on television, every week on tel a full year. And he did not want to be proven wrong. And he was going to go through with this title change come hell or high water, an earthquake, a hurricane, a, a, to, a, whatever is going to happen, this thing is going to be changed and Backlund is going to be my champion, no matter what. And I was, man, I, I, I told Bruno, oddly enough, Bruno didn't even know about the change in, in, in Philadelphia two days before, the Saturday, the night we had our, our, our big cage match sellout. Two days before I gave it to Backlund, he said, "You're going to do what on Monday?" Because Bruno was just working sparingly at that time; it wasn't really in the loop, and didn't want to be in the loop. I said, yeah, "I'm giving the belt to Backlund on Monday." He said, "You're what? You're giving the belt to Backlund?" He was that far out of the loop at the time. And I said, "Yeah, it's been set up for months." I said, "I'm going to give the belt to Backlund." He said, "Oh my God!" And I came so close to giving the belt back to. Bruno in Philadelphia during that cage match because it was the first guy out of the cage was the winner, and I was gonna I was gonna do a double cross and I told Bruno you might be you might be coming out of here the champion again he says oh Billy don't do that he says Jesus please don't do that to me and I was gonna like double cross Vince Senior and do something where I was hurt and I couldn't get out of the cage and Bruno would have to leave the cage first or expose the business. And I came that close to doing it, so it would throw the Bob Backlund switch off. He couldn't put Bruno San Martino against Bob Backlund, or or against you know. If I wasn't such a success, had been such a success, and knew I was going to continue to be a success, it wouldn't have been as difficult. But coming off such, coming off these two or three sellouts. Everything sold out and turned away record crowds, red hot. I'm saying, what is the sense? What is, this doesn't make business sense to turn this thing over to a kid, to a, to a kid, you know? I mean, it just, it was, it was very depressing. And I remember, the, I think, two, I had to wrestle down in New Jersey somewhere. And that night, uh, Valerie was out. We, were, we stayed out on Long Island. After the match, uh, I just went out and got her and drove down to New Jersey somewhere. And that's just over. Was that 
Was that it? Was there any rematches with Backlund? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I had three, like three rematches with Backlund. Everything sold out, of course. And then it had matches in other cities with him. And then started working with Dusty to support Backlund working with other people on top. And then had to load up the cards with Andre and myself and, uh, and matches like that to, 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 to get houses with Backlund because they just did not accept Backlund as champion. It was force-fed. And it was like, it was so obvious that you're giving it to a, almost like a child, taking it from San Martino, my God, a living, breathing, you know, idol, a true idol in every sense of the word. And then coming off of me, you know, with everything that I had to offer, the physique and everything, the pandemonium and all the sellouts and, and then handing it over to a kid. Now, here's a little surprising research that no one ever bring, brings up to Billy Graham when he interview him. This is what pisses me off when people aren't prepared with a little bit of facts. But believe it or not, Bob Backlund sold out Madison Square Garden more than Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan, yes, only main evented 32 events, I believe, at the Garden, and Backlund uh, main evented more. But percentage-wise, Hogan only sold out about half of the times that he main-evented. Backlund is more around 60%, 70%. And some people even argue 90%. Another thing is, is that Bruno only sold out the Garden about 40 of 160 times, even though people will tell you that, you know, Bruno sold out the Garden every single time. So Backlund sold out the Garden better than Hogan. Now, let's also bring up another point, you know, of the 19 main events that Superstar Billy Graham uh, fought at the Garden, he sold out 17 of them. And few of them were against Backlund. So you have to share the main event, I guess, a little bit there. But another tidbit. And this affects Hogan, too, is that the night that Backlund defeated Graham for the heavyweight title, that was the first time the Madison Square Garden let teenagers go to the events. And, I, you know, I shouldn't really even say teenagers. I would say children, because before that night, no children under the age of 14 could go to a wrestling event. That night, they started to let in kids between the ages of 8 and 14, as long as you went with an adult. They did not proof the kid. So if the kid was six or seven, they let him in anyway. The point is, with young fans allowed to go to the garden now, obviously, kids go. They have to go to an adult. Bigger chance that more people are going to attend wrestling. And after Backlund, you quickly went to Hogan. Yes, Aryan Sheik along the way. And, of course, you know, we know the controversy with Inoki versus Backlund, but still, nonetheless, um, you know, Billy Graham comes off more as bitter. If he's still confused after all of these years why Vince Sr. made that move, um, it can only be bitterness. No other way to put it. 1984, Jumbo Suruta defeats Nick Bockwinkle in Japan to win the AWA World Heavyweight title. Terry Funk was a special guest referee. And if you do a little bit of reading on this one, um, you ask yourself, you know, Zeruda, AWA champion? Well, you know, legend has it that uh, Giant Baba paid Vern Gagne a huge amount of money to have Jumbo Suruta as the AWA heavyweight champion. Not all that long, but still paid him a nice 
chunk of cash. I wouldn't argue with it at all. <laughs> now we go to 1989, another clip I want to share. And, you know, once again, I have criticized WWE for voicing over music. Obviously, we understand why you get a, you know, dub over Metallica and some, you know, legendary artists like Aerosmith and we could go down the line. But it just confuses me sometimes some of the music that they dub over. And we have two examples on today's show. This is the first of the two. Now, I know it's not a big deal, you know, when you hear the original footage, because so far, every episode I've ever done, I've been able to put up the original footage, usually from my own collection, but also from doing a little bit of research too. But what disappointed me about this dubbing that WWE did was the emotion after the end of this match. I mean, the emotion that was just taken out and all you hear is generic crowd you know, applause. And it's just, it sucks. Just to say it bluntly, it sucks. We go back to 1989. NWA had this Chi-Town Rumble pay-per-view from Chicago, Illinois. And the results from that night, Michael P.S. Hayes over the Russian assassin, Sting over Hacksaw Butch Reed. It'll lose a leave NWA match. The Midnight Express, along with Jim Cornette, defeated the original Midnight Express of Jack Victory and Randy Rose, along with Paul E. Dangerously. You have Mike Rotunda over Rick Steiner, Lex Lugo over Barry Windham, uh, the Road Warriors over the Varsity Club. By the way, the Road Warriors, they with that win, they retain the tag titles. Lex Luger retained the U.S. title, and Mike Rotunda retained the TV title. But in your main event, we had Ricky the Dragon Steamboat defeat Ric Flair to win the NWA Heavyweight Championship. This is one of the matches that everybody goes back to when they look back at the history of Ric Flair, the feud with him and Steamboat. Uh, here's the second part of the match. And again, you know, at the very end, you know, that emotion is so cool and the crowd reaction, just everything about it. And if you watch it on the WWE network, you don't hear any of that at all. And wait until we get into another one later on. It is, in my opinion, you know, laughable what WWE did. Fucking laughable. And I know some of you think I over-exaggerate things. No, when you hear this side-by-side, because I am going to play a side-by-side later, it is fucking laughable what WWE did with uh, another particular moment. So here you go, Flair versus Steamboat, NWA, Chi-Town Rumble. Flair with a right hand, right on the button of Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Picks him up. Another chop. Steamboat retaliates. Boy, this one is so physical. Neither man will give an inch. Another chop. How much can these men take, as we have said? Oh, he's upside down. He goes down the apron. The nature boys up top. Quite a cross body, but Steamboat reverses it. One. Changing the momentum. I mean, this thing is going back and forth. Flair, the master of the figure four, 
versus Flair's forte. He knows how to hurt you. He knows how to apply the pressure. He can make this so excruciating that if you don't give up, your knee can literally be broken. We know Steamboat's one of his primary assets is his quickness. You've got to be able to have your legs under you to get on top, to come off with any kind of flying maneuver. And that's the crowd. Steamboat, Steamboat, they're chanting for the challenger. Steamboat's in trouble, but if inspiration is anything that you need, this is what you've got right here. The adrenaline has got to be flowing because all these fans are on their feet cheering for Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Blair using the ropes. That puts tremendous leverage on the leg of the Dragon. And look at Flair. He wants to break that leg. He wants to break the leg of the Dragon. The referee very concerned about the condition of Steamboat, but he needs to keep his eyes on Flair because that extra leverage is making this move unbelievably terrible to try to withstand. There's Mr. Matsuda, the evil man from the Orient. Flair has won the world title before in his five-time reign by using this very maneuver. Jim, if anybody has patented this maneuver, he has got down that Steamboat needs desperately to reverse it. There's only one way out of the 54 leg lock. He's in the middle of the ring. He can't get hold of the rope, so he's got to turn this around. Flair has, he's got, he's putting everything he has into this figure four. The dragon trying to reach for the ropes. But the referee caught him. He's going to make him break the hole. Yes, indeed he is. Good officiating there by Tommy Young. But you got to wonder how much damage has he done. Steamboat is flat on his back. He knows that his legs are a great asset for him. That high fly maneuver. He needs to get his legs back. And that may be physically impossible on February the 20th. It's definitely taking his toll. We can see. We've seen resilience of the dragon. Big shot. That's what he needs to come back with. But I don't know if there's enough. It's a gut check time for the dragon. He's waited six years for his opportunity to win the title in the sport. And look at these two gladiators exchange blows. Even after all this punishment, toe for toe, chop for chop, Ricky Steamboat's heart is coming into play here. That desire we talked about, that family unit, he wants it. What a great movement! Oh, both men are down on the top! They both went out over the top! Steamboat's leg, I think, doubled under him! And Flair came down on his head! There's no telling what kind of damage was done to both men in this particular encounter, but I've got to think that Steamboat hasn't been the worst for wear because, as you said, his leg had already been hurt, and it looked like to me he fell with that knee buckling under him. Thunderous chop right in front of the Illinois State Athletic Commission. But Steamboat retaliates. Fans, have you ever seen? Oh, gosh, right into the post. I have never witnessed a more physical battle for the heavyweight championship than we are seeing right here tonight from Chicago. Once again, and no mistake about it, this is the NWA. This is the league that they wrestle in. And you are seeing two great, superb athletes giving it all for the richest prize in the sport. And the question now is, can that man, the dragon, sustain the heat from the champion? We know he's wrestling on sheer desire right now. He's taking an unbelievable amount of punch, but that steel post didn't move, and this big vertical suplex could end it. It was perfectly executed.
was another two and a half count. This match is close to being over one way or the other. Steamboat gets his shoulder up. Watch that left shoulder. He's able to get it up, I mean, just ever so slightly, but that's all it takes. A half a second separating victory and greatness from defeat. Ric Flair has really turned it on. This is what he liked the best. He talks about taking him to school. That's what he's doing right now. Flair, the suplex, could not hold him down. He wants the referee to count faster. He doesn't like it. Flair trying to intimidate the official. That's not going to work for Tommy Young. But it's always been part of this game, part of this psych-out. He likes to intimidate everyone around him. He's not been able to do it with Steamboat, but he has got him hurt. But he needs to keep him hurt because even the champion is not infallible. And he needs to capitalize on this thing, forget about his ego, and just put the man down because he's definitely in a bad way. Backbreaker by Flair. He's got his feet on the ropes. That's how he beat Lex Luger at Starcade, just like this. Steamboat's barely able to get his shoulder up. Tommy Young needs to look up. Well, that's an understatement. We need about we need a couple of referees out here. Steamboat's got him taken one, two, Flair kicked out. That was close to an upset. Steamboat's still very much in this match. Flair though controlling the action. The time limited is is in his favor. We know Flair can go the distance. The Dragon went for the big move. But nobody home. We've seen him come off that rope flying so many times, always hitting his mark, but it is a high-risk maneuver. That's one time I didn't pay off. That's like the great slugger, Mickey Mantle. You make that big swing, you're going to either hit it out of the park or you're going to go back to the dugout. Steamboat, no home run there. But a nice reversal. But look at Flair, reverse right out of it very quickly. And Steamboat, look at this bridge. What strength. He's still got some left. The Dragon has the arms cut. Suplexing the Nature Boy. What a counter, Jim. Flash foot's on the roof. I thought he had him. You can hear the men breathing. You can hear them exerting every ounce of energy in their athletic bodies as a battle for the world's title. In the NWA is on the line. Steamboat reverses Flair. That was a good counter. Does he have enough strength to get him over? He's got him down. He's going that way. Can he hold him one? Two. Flair's off. He's off. Well, to Steamboat's credit, he is back totally on the offensive, but Ric Flair is not giving up in anybody's book. He's going to retaliate, and that big chop was sure a sign. Another chop by the Dragon. The number one contender is fighting this one for his family, for his young son, for every working class person in America. He's giving it his all. Oh, there's a clothesline. The Dragon came out of nowhere with a clothesline. The judo chop right to the head of the champion. I don't know how much time we've even got left in this baby. Tackle. He landed on his feet. Jim, he's going for it. He's going to go for it all right here. He's going for it all. The Dragon. With a Dino chop. Ric Flair is in trouble. The Dragon reaching down. You got to think he's got that young son, the little Dragon, right in front of his mind. 
just got the champion down and out. Oh, I, I hate this. is terrible. I hate for something like this to happen. Flair's going to cradle him up. He's holding the tights. But there's no... Tommy Young is not physically able to make the count. They wiped him out. You must see another official down there. Teddy Long coming in. Steamboat over the top. Was he going? Wait, Steamboat's coming back up top. This match is still going on. And Steamboat flies, but he missed it. He missed the flying body press off the top. And now Flair has turned the corner. He twists the leg inside. Wait a minute, inside cradle. Can he hold him? Yes, he can. Nikki the Dragon Steamboat has won the world title. It was the ultimate counter. Who would have figured out a four-wheel small package for a The champion goes down. Ladies and gentlemen, in 23 minutes and 18 seconds, the winner and new world heavyweight champion, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is what it's all about. This is the seventh game of the World Series. This is a Super Bowl. has just tasted the beast at the hands of Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And Rossi said he was going to do what he said he was going to do for his family and everybody across the United States. And he has put up, he has done it, he has put the big man down. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat basking. He waited six years for this. 1990. WCW had Wrestle War 90. Wild thing. Dun, 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 dun. Wild. I hated that song when it came out. Fucking hated it. Anyway, it's from Greensboro, North Carolina. Kevin Sullivan and Buzz Sawyer over the Dynamic Dudes. Norman the Lunatic over Cactus Jack. The Rock and Roll Express over the Midnight Express. The Road Warriors over the Skyscrapers in the Chicago Street Fight. You have Brian Pillman and Tom Zink retain the NWA U.S. tag titles, defeating Michael Hayes and Jimmy Garvin. The Steiners retain the NWA world tag titles, defeating Arn and Ole Anderson. Main event, Ric Flair over Lex Luger by countout to retain the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. 1991, WCW has Wrestle War 91 from Phoenix, Arizona. Ricky Morton, Junkyard Dog, and Tommy Rich over the Big Cat and the State Patrol to retain the World Six-Man Tag Team Championships. Bobby Eaton over Brad Armstrong, Itsuki Yamazaki and Mami Kitamura over Mickey Honda and Miss A, Dustin Rhodes over Buddy Landell, the Southern Boys of Steve Armstrong and Tracy Smothers, over the Royal Family, which was Rip Morgan and Jack Victory. Terrence Taylor over the Z-Man in a no-DQ match. Vader and Stan Hansen fought to a double DQ. Feels like the match should have been reversed, right? No DQ, Vader and Hanson, but they didn't do that. Lex Luger over Dan Spivey to retain the U.S. title. The fabulous Freebirds over Doom to win the WCW tag titles. And in the main event, Larry Zbysko and the Four Horsemen. They defeat Flying Brian Sting and the Steiners in a War Games match. Match was stopped because Brian Pillman could not continue. They said he was knocked out from a bunch of power bombs. Anyway. 1993 WCW has Super Brawl 3 
from Asheville, North Carolina. You had Fly and Brian and Steve Austin. I don't believe they were Hollywood Blondes yet. They defeated Eric Watts and Mark Bagwell. Two Cold Scorpio over Chris Benoit. That was a pretty damn good match. I still remember that match. British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith over Wild Bill Irwin. Cactus Jack over Paul Landoff in a Falls Count Anywhere match. That match I remember as well. That was a lot of fun. Rock and Roll Express over the Heavenly Bodies by DQ in a Smoky Mountain Wrestling Tag Team Championship match. Yes, Smoky Mountain was featured in WCW a little bit before it was, you know, having that little back and forth with WWF. Dustin Rhodes over Max Payne by DQ. So uh, the United States heavyweight title does not change hands. Barry Windham over to Muda to win the NWA World Heavyweight title. In the main event, the White Castle of Fear leather strap match. We had Vader defeat Sting. Continuing with 1993, a couple of things went down. First off, we had uh, Hulk Hogan make his return to WWF and Monday Night Raw. This is the first time that we really saw him since he uh, defeated Sid Justice at WrestleMania 8. Everyone, including myself, noticed Hulk Hogan was noticeably smaller in in size. And on that night on Raw, he formed an alliance with his best friend, Brutus Beefcake. They called themselves the Mega Maniacs. They had Jimmy Hart as their manager, and they were going to go after Money Incorporated. Something else that happened that week that you don't ever read about because I find it interesting because the TV show Thunder in Paradise was always associated with WCW, right? You would always have that correlation. Well, the same week that Hogan returned to Raw to form the Mega Maniacs, then later on in that week, Hulk Hogan and the producer of that TV show, Douglas Schwartz, they were in Florida. They were scoping out areas in Pinellas County to film scenes for the pilot of Thunder in Paradise. And all the Florida papers at that time, they were interviewing Hogan, covering his story. Uh, they didn't want to get too far into, you know, this, you know, the details because CBS had not signed the deal yet for, for the pilot. At that time, the pilot, the show was supposed to be called Hurricane in Paradise. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but they obviously went with Thunder in Paradise later on. My favorite comment out of all the interview clips that Hogan did at that time when they asked him about the violence factor his answer back was and this is a quote it's not violence brother it's action when I shoot a missile and blow up a boat we make sure all the people jump off the boat before the boat blows up (laughs) think about that for a minute I mean obviously stunt people are going to jump off the boat but yeah, you think of the TV series, we make sure they all jump off the boat before we blow it up. I don't know. I just found it cute. 1994, WCW has Super Brawl 4. By the way, several Super Brawls do take place this week, so we will get into some quick results. Maybe one or two clips along the way. This one took place from Albany, Georgia. You had Harlem Heat. And at the time, they were not known as Booker T and Stevie Ray. They were known as Cole and Kane. They defeat Thunder and Lightning. You had Jim Steele over the Equalizer. Terry Taylor over DDP. Johnny B. Bad over Jimmy Garvin. Lord Steven Regal. He retains the TV title, defeating Arn Anderson. 
Cactus Jack and Max Payne. They defeated the Nasty Boys, but unfortunately it was by DQ, so the tag title did not change hands. In a Thunder Cage match, Sting, Brian Pillman, and Dustin Rhodes over Steve Austin, Rick Rude, and Paul Orndorff with Colonel Robert Parker in their corner. And in a main event, a Thunder Cage match for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship, the boss, boss man, special guest referee, Ric Flair defeats Vader by submission. 1995, Monday Night Raw, out was Diesel as the bodyguard for Shawn Michaels, in was Sid Vicious as the bodyguard. And as I have said a few times over recent months, you look at Sid Vicious's mic work from the early to mid-90s, it was not bad at all. Don't know what happened in the late 90s and beyond that just, you know, made him stumble over his words more and more. You know, maybe once it gets in your head that you're fucking up with your promos, you just can't get out of it for some people, but not bad at all. Not bad at all. WCW, same week, had Super Bowl Five from Baltimore, Maryland. You had a couple of matches taped for the main event that night. You had Paul Ondorf over Brad Armstrong, Stars and Stripes over Romeo Valentino and Dino Kazanoff, and Arn Anderson over Johnny B. Band in a lumberjack match to retain the TV title. You had Alex Wright over Paul Roma, and you know the, the story that is basically kept ground, kept a little bit of strength over the years, legitimacy. So Paul Roma was fired from WCW after this match because he was no-selling a lot of Alex Wright's offense and actually tried to kick out of the uh, the planned finish. So, you know, that's just legend, and a lot of people still believe it's true to this day. Hacksaw Jim Duggan over Bunkhouse Buck. Kevin Sullivan over Dave Sullivan. That was garbage. Harlem Heat over the Nasty Boys uh, by DQ to retain the tag titles. The Blacktop Bully over Dustin Rhodes. Sting and Randy Savage over the Avalanche of Big Bubba Rogers. And Hulk Hogan over Vader by DQ to retain the WCW Heavyweight title. Now we go to 1995's ECW event. Got a clip for you. You won't be able to count all of them by listening, but you'll be able to count most of them. This event is one of my favorites of all time because of the surprise return of Terry Funk. Now, if you're a longtime ECW fan, if I say Funk in a box, you already know what I'm talking about. This event was later titled Return of the Funker on home video. I have it, obviously. And let me get into some other match results before I actually share the clip. You had the Pitbulls over Chad Austin and Joe Hartgood. Jason Knight and Paul Laurie over Hack Myers and Mikey Whipwreck. Two Cold Scorpio over Hector Guerrero. Axel Rotten over Ian Rotten. Shane Douglas over Marty Jannetty to retain the ECW heavyweight title. Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko win the ECW tag titles, defeating Sabu and the Tasmaniac. Then you had the uh, controversial angle with Terry Funk. It was just not controversial. It was brutal. Basically, what happened was Cactus Jack was supposed to take on Sandman. Sandman could not wrestle because he had a so-called concussion. Now, Sandman was wearing um, like like American flag like uh, what was those? What was those? Those pants that we wore in the nineties, Zabos or something like that. I don't. I don't remember. But they were like those baggy sweatpants. They were all out colors. But he had these that looked like the American flag, and he had sneakers on. He had a t-shirt. Fine. So 
you know, basically, instead of um, Sandman taking on Cactus Jack, they bring out a box. And the box has this gigantic black cover over it, so you can't see what's inside the box. But the box is pretty damn big. It could hold more than one person. So they bring out the box, and inside the box, they reveal that the wrestler DC Drake is in the box. And Sandman brings out DC Drake to beat the fuck out of Cactus Jack. And DC Drake, if you remember him from that time, wasn't all the spectacular. So Cactus Jack beats him pretty quickly. After the match is over immediately, you have Sandman, you know, whack Cactus with a cane. And they're whacking each other, beating up each other a little bit. And then Cactus gets the upper hand. He throws Sandman inside the box. We can't see inside the box. It's still got this big black cover over it. And Cactus, you know, does the bang bang to get the fans to, you know, focus off the box for a minute and focus on Cactus. And while that's happening, the Sandman who's inside the box is coming out of the box, but now he has the big black cover over him. So you can't see him. All you could see is part of his, his pants and his sneakers. And Cactus brings him in the ring still with the cover over him. And he pulls the cover off to basically uh, nail him some more. And instead of it being Sandman, it was Terry Funk. This was fresh off of Terry Funk and Cactus not too long ago having those crazy wars in Japan with fire and exploding matches. The crowd went nuts. I, look, Terry Funk's my favorite of all time. Everybody knows that. And it was a great fucking night. So what a lot of people don't realize, and if you watch the match, you could count along as you watch it. You could also count for the most part as you hear it too. What some people don't realize is that when you go from the beginning of this angle to the end cactus jack from my count and i might be off by one but cactus jack took 82 cane shots so when all you people think fucking alexa bliss and bailey are hardcore for taking one cane shot yes i'm not trying to compare their physiques to cactus jack but 82 cane shots it's not including chair shots it's not including you know the mic shots to the head which always sounded great but i don't think it hurt at all um it's great visual but 82 cane shots this night now in the end shane douglas who is back for a very short period of time after doing the dean douglas fiasco in wwf he ends up coming to the aid of cactus jack babyface for a little while and then ultimately he would turn heel later on in the year but here's how it went down from that night 1995 return of the funker and the fans here in the jam-packed
thing. It's the public enemy, the shooter and the crippler, Sabu and Taz. On top of the public and once again, Chair and catches Drake right across. 
wishing you'd stay to that box. Break breaks the eyes of Cash is coming in the ring. He's got the timekeeper's hammer.
1997, big week for ECW. First off, a lot of people don't know because there wasn't two events that took place the same week as something else that went down. Actually, you know, for the I guess for this half hour period, what you just heard and what you're gonna hear next is dedicated to ECW. First, they had the Cyber Slam '97 event from Philly. It was a two day event that you know they would tape for home video and for their TV episodes. Day one, you had Balls Mahoney over Chris Chetty, Brian Lee and Chris Candido over the Pitbulls, Bubba Ray Dudley over Spike Dudley, Sandman and Tommy Dreamer over Raven and Richards, the Gangsters over Axel Rotten and Devon Dudley, Taz over Little Guido, and main event, the Eliminators over Sabu and Rob Van Dam to retain the tag titles. Next day, you had the Eliminators over RVD and Sabu in a ladder match to retain the tag titles. Chris Chetty over Little Guido, Stevie Richards over Balls Mahoney, Axel Rotten over Spike Dudley, the Dudleys, Bubba Ray and Devon over the Gangsters, Taz over Tracy Smothers, Primetime Brian Lee and Raven, along with Terry Funk and Tommy Dreamer, they fought to a no contest, and Sabu over Chris Candido. I always remember that match, Sabu and Candido. That was a pretty damn good match. But um, we also had a, a challenge answered. And obviously, it is infamous. Everybody knows it by now. At this time, you had Jerry Lawler uh, making fun of ECW. This is 1997. At this time, I was already a hardcore ECW fan. You would get these underground ECW chants. You would get them a lot in New York because that's where Monday Night Raw was held. And more and more, you would get these subtle ECW chants. You'd have fans show up with ECW shirts. ECW was getting more coverage in magazines. It was covered on all the wrestling hotlines. 
I started my wrestling hotline in 97, if people recall. And, you know, they decided because of the Monday Night Wars, which were hot and heavy, that ECW and WWF would do a little bit of uh, co-promoting with each other. I mean, obviously, WWF didn't show up on ECW all that much, even though you did have Lawler show up for a little bit. Jim Cornette showed up for one night. And then you would have, you know, like some flag matches, the WWF flag versus, uh, I don't know if ECW had a flag. I remember the WWF flag being draped over the ECW guys. But um, so basically at Jerry Lawler now name dropping ECW on WWF television and issuing a challenge to ECW to show up on Monday Night Raw. So it was this week in 1997. And trust me, for younger fans out there, I sold a lot of wrestling tapes on eBay back in the day, a lot of VHS tapes. You know, I could tell you without without even hesitation, and anybody that was a tape trader or sold tapes at that time will tell you the same thing. The two most requested tapes that I have ever sold back in the late 90s, the night that unfortunately Owen had passed the Owen Hart tribute that night on Raw, that episode, the Owen Hart tribute, and the ECW invasion of Monday Night Raw. Not even close. Those two Raws, the most requested videos that I had ever received. There was also an adult video that we're not going to talk about here that involves some, you know, wrestling women. Um, and it was just weird, that that video, because, eh, yeah, no, no, I'm not going to share it now. Another time. But anyway, let's flash back to 1997. Monday Night Raw starts off rather innocent. Then all of a sudden, you add some Matarats ring crew guy in the ring. And he, I guess, maybe is adjusting the ropes. And ECW decides to show up. There's a ring attendant. There's no telling what we're going to see in the house. That's Paulie in there, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to have all kind of action, no doubt about that. Oh, wait a minute. I think we're going to get a word here from uh... Big Stevie Cool. From the Blue World Order. Brought to you by Extreme Championship Wrestling. Jerry the King Lawler. On behalf. Of the ECW and the Blue World Order, we have only three words for you. Uh oh. We're taking over! <laughs> hey! Are you inviting him, King? Burger King, man! Uh oh. Say hello to the blue guy! Say hello to the fat guy. Little Guido against Big Stevie Cool. Action underway here. The 
BWO. And uh, tell us what what exactly is the Blue World Order? The Mr. Blue Dangerous World Ray? Order, and you can call me Paul. You can oh, call me you. Paul Heyman. You're welcome, Mr. McMahon. All you have to do is call me the look man this, on the head of ECW. We're looking, Jerry Lawler. It doesn't take an educated person to figure that out. The Blue World Order is a revolutionary Ooh. concept in wrestling today. Is that right? That is correct. It's another ECW ripoff. Of what? <laughs> oh, and a sidewalk slam. Nice Who and what are we ripping off? Give me a break. Well, certainly this has nothing at all to do with the clothing line okay, who's of this? NWO. Who that is? Yeah. Uh, well, that's... Is the ECW heavyweight champion of the world. The David Koresh of wrestling himself, Raven. Oh, wait a minute, Paul Packard. There we go. Goes the count of three. And a drop kick by Little Greedo. And another one. And Stevie Ray to the outside. Stevie Cool. Big Stevie Cool. Hey, McMahon, I got to tell you something. You impress me as an announcer. If this WWF thing does not work out for you, yeah. we could actually give you a job in ECW. Thank you. I appreciate yeah, that. I've seen some of your shows. You need an announcer. <laughs> Standing by right now, ladies and gentlemen, so I'm told is the uh, most bizarre one. We have Gold to Gold Dust. What do you think thus far of the ECW action? Well, as far as I'm concerned, I'm the premier here in the World Wrestling Federation. Everyone else is just B-movies. I see. And almost a count of three there tonight. One-on-one -on -one against Savio Vega. Any comment there? We're having some technical difficulties, I believe, with Mr. Goldduck on the rest. Here we go! To the buckle. We're having some technical difficulties in the ring right now. Hey, do you mind if I actually say something nice about Goldust? Go right ahead. I mean, I don't know if you want an endorsement from ECW, oh. but I'll tell you this. Yeah. I don't care, homosexual, heterosexual, bisexual. If Marlena comes along with the package, I'd go home with him, too. Up next, ladies and gentlemen, La Femme Nikita. You talk about hot action. We're going to have plenty of it tonight. Oh! And there's plenty of hot action as well. Up next, La Femme Nikita. Ooh, she is boiling. When are you going to show me something extreme, Paulie? Well, when little Guido stands up and gets hit in the face with a Stevie kick, I invite you to deny that this is extreme. Oh! Hard power, hard count, and he gets it. This, this is, is what you're going to try to sell on a pay-per-view? This is exactly what we're going to sell on yeah, pay-per-view. Right. Hey, maybe you'd like to get in the ring and show him your fine amateur credentials. Hey, listen. This guy's so small, he probably buys an ant farm for a second home. Let me tell you something, Coming Paulie. from a guy that's 5'10 and that was on top of the territory for 76 years, that is the most oh, ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Is that right? That, no, that is exactly right. The most ridiculous thing I've ever heard was you calling this extreme championship wrestling. Hey, why don't you do? Why don't you show us what you guys usually do, huh? Why don't you set some of the fans on fire, huh? Why don't you set what? somebody on fire? Yeah, why don't you hit somebody over the head with a with a bat wrapped in barbed wire? Because we rather do that in pay-per-view oh, yeah, right. on Sunday night, April 13th. Oh, Northern Light Suplex. And, and a kick out. 
And I know, Mr. McMahon, you would have called that move, and I'm sorry for stepping on your play-by-play. -play. It's no problem. Be my guest. You were invited. You're a guest here. But I noticed the court no, I didn't invite him. I didn't invite Paul E. down here to run his fat mouth. Block! Block! It's Sabu! Hey, wait a minute. It's Sabu! Sabu! On top. Wait a minute! Oh, oh no. my God! Sabu! The Way most homicidal! The most suicidal! The most genocidal athlete! And Sabu, look out! Sabu! Ooh. Homicidal, suicidal, genocidal, and extreme to the bone! And in the ring now, the human suplex machine Taz with the head and arm Taz flex! Get a close-up of this one, WWF! And, ooh! All right, what kind of suplex was that? That's a head and arm tagplex. It's the one move in wrestling that even Ken Shamrock fears. <laughs> okay. I wouldn't go so far as to say that. In well, control. you wouldn't, but I would. The Katahanjime, the transmission of Bill Alfonso is carrying the flag of Team Taz. Here is your winner, Taz! Coming up next, we have a huge surprise right here on Raw. Is that it? May I speak now, Mr. McMahon? Ladies and gentlemen, in the ring, representing Extreme Championship Wrestling, Dean Von Dudley! Devon Dudley. Ever heard of him? up with the uh, Devon Dudley. Those taped fists. You know what, Paulie? Devon Dudley. No, I don't know. I'll tell you what, you should you should get down on your oh, hands and knees and kiss my royal feet for giving you the opportunity to be out here and constantly plug your pay-per-view. I mean more people are being exposed to your ECW wrestling in this moment than you've been in the entire history of your whole little rinky dick company. And that's thanks to the Kihonis of the man sitting next to you. Not to you, yeah, as Tommy right. Dreamer oh. takes Devon Dudley outside the ring. Oh good, here we go. And here we go yeah, right. to get extreme. What was that? That's called a weapon and that's called effective. Right. Yeah, now look oh, at the idiots in the crowd, man. That. Watch this. That was a, a bell. A What's he bell. got now, huh? A weapon. A cane. That's some wrestling for you. Well, I think we uh, oh. need to be drawing some lines here, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, come on, McMahon. No. This is ECW. No, we're... Hopefully things aren't going to get out of hand here. Well, hopefully they are. That's what ECW is all about. We're not just wrestling. We're not just exciting. We are extreme. Yes, there's no doubt about that. But, uh, oh! And anyone can get extreme. 
No, not we're going to have extreme action here, ladies and gentlemen. No doubt when The Undertaker faces Farouk, the leader of the nation of... Oh! The leader of the nation of domination coming up. And, of course, if you just joined us, the Legion of Doom back in tag team action here in the World Wrestling Federation. You missed as well the special arm wrestling event. Uh-oh, look at this. What's going on with Tommy Dreamer? Oh, they're doing some wrestling, McMahon. Yes, The Undertaker against Farouk. But right now, Tommy Dreamer against Devon Dudley. And this is a fight of ultimate proportions as the innovator of violence, Tommy Dreamer. You said anyone can get extreme. I doubt very seriously that the court jester sitting next to you could ever be oh, extreme. Hey, let me just tell you this, Paul, dangerously. No, you will never no, tell yeah, me No, yeah, let me anything. tell you this. Listen, you might I've been in wrestling. I've been in wrestling. You know what? I've been in wrestling for, for about 20 years. Yeah, for about 20 years. Hey, and I've never on. been ashamed to tell anybody oh. that I was a wrestler. You understand that? I, when I left my hometown of Memphis, Tennessee this morning, in New York City, let me tell you something. The mayor, the mayor of Memphis, Tennessee, Mayor Harrington, was in the airport flying to Kansas City. He looked at me and smiled and said, hey, King, if you ever need a tag team partner, call me. I've never been ashamed of being a professional wrestler. But right now, when I look at this crap in the ring, and when I look at an next idiot like you, you say, sitting right next there, word you now, say, shut up. Shut up. Just, yeah, shut up. Why don't you make When I look at up. you, and when I look at this, this crap, at the ECW Sustainer, extremely crappy wrestling. I'm ashamed to be associated with it. You understand? I'm ashamed to be associated with it. You never will be associated with it. What's going on? All right, just chill out. All right, this is the last match we're going to have here that is extreme tonight. You're welcome. Devon Dudley, ladies and gentlemen. Freaking In the overalls, Devon Dudley taking it to Tommy Dreamer. And, uh, oh! Oh. Somebody call the match. I've had it with them. Oh, yeah, right. You sure wouldn't know what to call because you've never been in a wrestling match. That's you're what I'd call a jock sniffer. You like to be around athletes because you're not one yourself. Only thing athletic about you are your stinking feet. You understand that? And all you, you do is leech onto a bunch of so-called athletes and try to make money off of them. You know, while we're being extreme, I have no problem sniffing your jock, but I'm afraid you're oh, yeah, yeah, Is that right? Huh? That's right. Is that right? Great comeback. Oh. Wait a minute. In any event, ladies and gentlemen. You know, stop telling me to wait a minute. I've back. had it with him. He invited What's us. This? You oh, accepted. Please. Come Standing on, this by is right it. now, ladies and gentlemen, we ECW. have. I think the Undertaker. There he is in the Undertaker, ladies and gentlemen. Come on out here, Undertaker. One on one with the leader of the nation of domination, Farouk. Any last minute thoughts? Tonight, the march to WrestleMania, the 13th, begins with the nation. They will all be laid aside. And the only thing that stands between me and Psycho Sid at WrestleMania the 13th oh. is time. Look at this. Thank you very much, The Undertaker. Three hundred what's going on. Huh? Double Here Ray Dudley. Gentlemen. It's the Sandman. It's the Sandman. The Sandman is in the Manhattan Center. The who? The Sandman. The icon of Extreme Championship Wrestling. Well, it yeah. looks like the Sandman. <laughs> it looks like the Sandman got hardcore, Paulie. What do you think about that idiot now, huh? I don't think.
think anything about it. I love this. I love Bubba Ray Dudley and Devon Dudley showing America how extreme DCW can be. Oh. And uh, it's like things are getting a little yeah, bit out of hand. Get it over with. to say now, huh? What? I say the same thing I said before. It's crap. It's crap, crap and you're crap. You understand oh, that? You know, huh? Thanks a lot. Thank you for letting me plug my paper. Oh, yeah. Saturday Why don't you night, take a hike? You and all the rest of your I bumps. You take a much. hike. You know April what? 13th, you know what? You have more Gihonas than anybody ever gave you credit for. Why don't you, you take are... a hike? Get out of here. Hey, Gang, sit down. Hey, hey, come on. Hey, wait a minute. No, wait a minute. Now this storyline would continue for quite a few weeks. You'd have a little bit of uh, back and forth. I remember Sabu and RVD coming in for a cup of coffee early on. And it was very memorable. Loved it as a wrestling fan, but we can't leave WCW out of this week in 97. Like I said, it was a pretty big week for wrestling. Uh, they had Super Bowl seven, San Francisco, California. You had dark matches, Hugh Mars over Joe Gomez, Pat Tanaka loses to Ultimo Dragon. The pay-per-view had six over Dean Malenko to win the Cruiserweight title. Conan, La Parca, and Volano number four over Juventud Guerrera, Super Calo, and Ciclope. Prince Iokea over Rey Mysterio Jr. to retain the TV championship. Diamond Dallas Page over Buff Bagwell. Eddie Guerrero over Chris Jericho to retain the U.S. title. Public Enemy over the Harlem Heat and the Faces of Fear in a triple threat tag team match. Jeff Jarrett over Steve Mongo McMichael. And because Jeff Jarrett won, he was allowed to join the Four Horsemen. May I vomit now. Chris Benoit over Kevin Sullivan in a San Francisco death match. You had the Giant and Lex Luger over the Outsiders to win the WCW tag titles. And in the main event, Hollywood Hogan over Rowdy Roddy Piper to retain the WCW heavyweight title. I don't know, man. This the end of this match is. I was I can't, I was going to play the audio, but you have to watch it to understand what happened. You know, the uh, the referee said Hogan's feet were under the ropes. But Hogan's feet weren't under the ropes. Savage put them under there too late. It's just, you got to watch it. It's just a clusterfuck finish. And that happened a lot. It happened in all feds, but it happened more in WCW. And you can't blame it on Russo. He wasn't working for them yet. It was just a timing issue, to be honest. It wasn't that big of a deal. 1998, Super Bowl Eight, San Francisco, California. Dark match, Ultimo Dragon over Shiryu. Shirayu, I think it is. Shirayu. Shirayu. Booker T over Rick Martel to win the TV title. Booker T then defeats Saturn to retain the TV title. Disco Inferno over La Parca. Goldberg over Brad Armstrong. Chris Jericho defeats Juventud Guerrera in a title versus mask match uh, to retain the Cruiserweight Championship. Juventud Guerrera was forced to unmask. And I remember at the time, doing my hotline, when he was unmasked, I remember a lot of guys, you know, heterosexual guys that said, how the fuck do you have a guy that looks that good 
you know, face wise, you know, you, you so a lot of times you put somebody under a mask because they just have a very bland look or they're just ugly as a motherfucker. Sometimes when you're too ugly, you know, you would keep the mask off, but very good looking guy. And, um, people were surprised that, uh, yeah, look, you're a Mexican wrestler, you cruise away, triple a, you know, there's, it's more than you don't wear the mask just for covering up looks, obviously. But um, in the United States, you know, like people were like, okay, you know, I don't think this is going to hurt his career. People were very upset about Rey Mysterio because uh, we'll get to Ray Ray in a little bit. Um, when Ray lost the mask, people were pissed off. I mean, they they were. In fact, if I remember correctly, wasn't Ray supposed to work like an event or two in Mexico and it actually had to be changed because of what went down? I, I think so. I'm not sure, but I always seem to remember that. Anyway, uh, the British Bulldog over Steve Mongo McMichael, DDP over Chris Benoit to retain the U.S. title, Lex Luger over Randy Savage. The Outsiders defeat the Steiners to win the WCW World Tag Titles. A little controversy here. Actually, a lot of bit of controversy. Uh, during this match, we had someone turn. Do you remember who it was? Hall up. See, Hall looked. They, they changed quarters on it there. Hall looked around as if he thought Scott Steiner was there, but he was not. And Hall shrugs him off. But Steiner, the dog, face Gremlin, is relentless. Shoved off again. Oh, my. more can Scott Hall take? He, he's got to be out on his feet after this. He's going to have so many knots on his head, he won't be able to wear a hat for a year. And Rick Steiner, dazed from that exchange as well. Back into... Oh! Oh, oh, oh. Belly to belly, overhead release, Kevin Nash in the ring illegally. Coming in, Ducky Low, Rick Steiner. Now let me ask you the magic question here. If the opportunity arises, will Kevin Nash go for the power bomb? Another $50,000. I think he will. There you see the Steiners. One of their trademark poses in the ring, daring the opponent to get in. Rick and Scott. I say to that power bomb question, yes. Oh, what did I just see? He, he doubled his own brother. What in the world did I just see? You gotta be kidding. I knew there was something wrong. I could smell it. He's acknowledging no Scott Hall. This is... This is beyond cover. Oh, he's the DiBiase. DiBiase. Scott Steiner has snapped. Can you imagine the Steiner's family at home watching this? Can you imagine this? Dusty Rhodes just posted DiBiase into the steel. My God, what just happened? Look at this. cut the throat of his brother. That's right, his own family Scott Hall. 
There's nowhere to go. Now look at that. Scott Steiner's got the referee's attention. Oh, Rick gets clubbed in the back of the head. And Scott making no effort to get back in that ring. This is appalling. This is horrible. Trying to get him up for an outsider edge. Could not. Gonna try it again? Oh, you're not getting to try it again. Again. This time he does have him up. Way up in the air. Scott toning his as he shoves him down. In one of the most horrible moments in our sports history. This one's over. I guess we have new tag team champions. Well, thankfully it's over. Kibiasi helped out by our trainer and our rep, one of our referees. I don't get this. And Mr. Bicep, Mr. Gloryhound, Mr. Hogg has turned his back. This is sickening. He's handing the tag belts over to Hall and Matt. Yeah, Did you ever think you'd see a Steiner hand away the tag team championship to their opponents? Look at this. Oh. Referee Scott Dickinson set out to the floor. What could the Steiner family at home be doing now watching this? I mean, these brothers were closer than any brothers I ever knew. A referee is shoved down by no. Scott Steiner. That's not a first. That's not a, we have seen that repeatedly. I mean, think, guys, the NWO got to him. They got to the, they got to Scott Steiner. Of course they did. They not only got to a tag team, they got to a man's family. So, they came between a man and his family. That's when, powerful. When, that, that is very powerful. That shows how far reaching their influence is. My question is, I don't know if we'll ever know the answer. Had it happened a long time ago, was this part of a major plan, a major conspiracy, or did it just happen today? Was what we have been seeing a big one? What we have been seeing with Scott and Rick, this unity, was it real? Or was it a facade? Those are well, he's got to live with himself now. In one of the most startling moments in WCW professional wrestling pay-per-view history, we have witnessed one of the most shocking moments ever. Now, up to this point, Scott Steiner still had the dark hair and the dark-colored goatee. He would eventually dye it blonde, become Big Papa Pump. The rest is history. Now we got a 1999 Super Bowl nine from Oakland, California. A lot of these Super Bowls from California, by the way. Um, Booker T over Disco Inferno, Chris Jericho over Saturn, Kidman over Chavito to retain the Cruiserweight title. This tag match, confusing as fuck. It was a double elimination tag team tournament match, which means that you have to defeat your opponent twice. Now, it would have been fine if you just call it two out of three falls in a pay-per-view, but they decided to have the first fall take place before the pay-per-view occurred. So going into this pay-per-view, Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko already had one loss against them. They lose one more time. They don't win the vacant tag titles. So what happens? You add Benoit and Malenko defeat Barry Windham and Kurt Henning, but that only tied it up one-to-one. -one. A lot of people thought they had won the title. So what happens? Windham and Henning defeat Benoit and Malenko uh, not even 20 seconds later, and they are the tag champs. Outsiders over Conan and Rey Mysterio in a hair versus masks match. And Rey Mysterio had to put up the mask. Miss Elizabeth put up the hair. So that's pretty much the deal. You know, Rey Mysterio was forced to unmask. You know, again, another good looking guy. Looked very young. I mean, but we knew that because we remember when he was in AAA before ECW, how young he was. But, um, 
has that really hurt his career in WCW at the time? I mean, he did the filthy animals. I think it just hurt, you know, just the legendary status as far as Mexico. But hey, he's been in WWE off and on for God, you know, 15 plus years after that. And, you know, has the mask. Don't think it's ever coming off again. And I think a lot of the damage has been undone since what went down. Mexico was really irate with this. Anyway, Scott Stein over Diamond Dallas Page to retain the TV title. Scott Hall over Roddy Piper to retain the U.S. title. Goldberg over Bam Bam Bigelow. Main event, Hulk Hogan defeats Ric Flair to retain the WCW Heavyweight Championship. Wrapping up 1999, we had a uh, wrestler appear on The Tonight Show. We had an Inferno match on Raw, and we had Vince McMahon crying over a plush toy, I kid you not. I guess since we just covered Super Bowl Nine, let's get into The Tonight Show first. Goldberg, who is still a phenomenon in WCW, you know, didn't really see him too much on the outside doing interviews, but it was this week in 99, he appeared on The Tonight Show, and during his talk with Jay Leno, he issued a challenge to WWF wrestler Steve Austin. Hey, Mr. Continental, I'd like to kiss the hand thing. Very nice. I'm just now jealous I didn't do it to you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I am jealous you didn't do it to me. Now, you look, are you a little nervous being on this kind of venue? I'm uh, only nervous because I'm actually wearing clothes and I'm uh, not beating people up. <laughs> <laughs> now, usually wrestlers have, like, like, odd name. Now, Goldberg is your real name, isn't it? Yeah. Did you ever think of being, you know, the something or other, the Titan <laughs> or one of those deals? <laughs> Well, you know, my name originally was The Assassin, but I changed it to something more menacing like Goldberg. Goldberg, you know, like, well, Goldberg is disarming. You know, they may expect the accountant, you know, or something like that. <laughs> well, a lot of people might not know. A lot of folks might not know you played in the NFL. Yeah. And you were with, was it the Raiders? Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta Falcons, I'm sorry. Three years? Three years, yeah. And what happened? You got injured, right? Tore my lower abdomen, unfortunately, and uh, now I'm moved on to bigger and better things. Okay, yeah, this worked out okay. Okay. Now, let me ask, now, were your parents wrestlers? <laughs> <laughs> they were the famous Jewish tag team from the Midwest. <laughs> Actually, my mother was a concert violinist, and my father was a gynecologist. So, <laughs> don't figure. Well, they must. so I guess your career choice was a natural, really. Yeah. Yeah, they, were, they really liked it when I, cho when I chose uh, being a wrestler, too. The first thing that my dad did was hang the phone up on me. So. Did he really? Yeah. No, really? <laughs> Now he's my biggest fan. You know? Now, do they come? Do they come? That's my boy. Yeah, they come to as many events as Eric Bischoff and the rest of WCW yeah. will allow because they try to come to all of them. That's great. That's like the movie The Jazz Singer. You know, it's the same oh, deal. Great. <laughs> I mean, how did I'm you decide? I'm trying to break that stereotype. No, no, but how did you decide to do this? How did you, what made you sort of, where did the transition come from? My accountant told me I had to get off my butt and start doing something. <laughs> um, it was kind of, I, I don't want to say it's a natural progression, but, yeah. uh, you know, being in the NFL, uh, you always had that locker room thing going. Right. You do get paid a fairly decent amount of money. Oh, yeah, it's great. And uh, the go. physical competition, you know, yeah. and uh, I thought it was a natural progression for And, me, you know, so. you guys are great. When I did the wrestling thing with you guys in Sturgis, you know, the one thing I liked was all the wrestlers took time to talk to all the kids. 
Nobody ever used any bad language. I mean, there's a lot of grunting and bodies. But I mean, you know, I mean, they were very nice. I mean, you guys were great with the youngsters. Because a lot of athletes won't sign things and won't do things. And I thought that was great. You guys are out there. Each kid got a little something, you know, a, a choke or a hit in the head or something. But, you know, you, you know. I, I speared a couple kids yeah. on the way into the yeah, room. But the kids love that. You know, what? The, the main reason why I do what I do is for the kids. You yeah. know, it's it's uh, great entertainment for them and I would uh, I drop everything to give an autograph to a kid you know yeah. I, I do these two hour autograph sessions and end up staying for three and a half and four just to make sure that everybody's got now, everything I want to ask you something now this Steve Austin guy who's that I keep hearing Goldberg's a wimp and Goldberg's scared of him and I, you know I know you're your friend I, I, I don't want to bring this up. I guess this gives me an opportunity to uh, throw a challenge out there. You gonna throw a challenge right here tonight? Yeah, you know, there have been, there have been, uh... Back me up on this, Kevin. <laughs> I've been in high school before, you go... <laughs> there you go. Um, ever since I started, everybody always called me a rip-off of Steve Austin. Well, you guys know, and I know, there's only one Goldberg. That's right. And I don't know what he's thinking, or if he's, or if he's even thinking. But uh, <laughs> I'll throw a hundred grand of my money, Austin, anytime, any place. We can even do it in the back alley of the NBC. Right studio. here, at NBC. We'll, we'll set it up right here. How about Callista becomes the ring girl? I think it's a hell of a deal. So it's a hundred thousand. A hundred thousand. You got to do the. Now look, if we want to be assholes, you can look at it now and say hundred thousand for what? A predetermined finish? What do you mean hundred thousand? You know, you didn't challenge him to a shoot fight or a punt, you know what I mean? But at the time it worked. And I remember doing my hotline at that time, and that was a big buzz. I remember it covered in a lot of uh print media as well, not just the internet. The internet was still in its infancy days. You know, it was around for five, six years, but not like now. So there you go. So now we go to Monday Night Raw, and, you know, as I'm reviewing the card from this night, I actually get to play two clips from Monday Night Raw. First, let's actually cover the Inferno match. It was an interesting concept. You had flames around the ring and a lot of little special effects when a wrestler would hit the mat. You know, the flames would go up in the air. It looked cool, and how you defeat your opponent was you set your opponent on fire. Now, I know some people out there were a little disappointed that Kane lost because his boot went on fire. But what did you expect to get put on fire? You expected his whole body to get put on fire and then they threw... You know what I'm saying? I mean, come on, man. <laughs> I mean, I yeah, I was a little disappointed as well. But, you know, WWE took the focus off of Kane almost immediately because of something that happened with The Undertaker and Vince McMahon during this match. If you forgot about it, let's flash back to 1999, the Inferno match between Kane and The Undertaker from Raw, Vince McMahon doing special guest commentary. So Mr. McMahon joining us for commentary for The Inferno match between The Undertaker and Kane. First question I have for you is, 
Can you tell us anything about what was in this mysterious envelope that has got you so worked up over the past couple of weeks? mysterious about it. Shut up. It's personal, and we're going to leave it at that. That's all. It's just personal. And let me tell you, nobody, I don't care if it is The Undertaker, nobody goes there. Let's just leave it at that. Let's just sit back and enjoy this. Because you're going to see The Undertaker engulfed in flames. You're going to see The Undertaker turn into a human french fry tonight. Wow. The yeah. Oh, he's got powers, yeah. Oh, he has powers, all right. He seems to have some sort of power over the men that follow him, the acolytes, the brood. Yeah. Hey, look at this. Go, 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 Kane. Go. Come on. Get him, get him. And here's the Undertaker hammering away on Kane, folks. An inferno match. Rules are pretty light simple. Up. Come on, light it up. Come on, light up the ring. Oh, there you go. Oh. Now it's lit. Yeah. Oh, my God. Here we go. Yeah, look at that. It's going to get hot in there. The look rules at. are simple, folks. You lose when you can set your opponent on fire. Ah. Never before on Raw. Never before has anyone ever seen anything like this. The Undertaker. Oh, it's going to burn. Look at this. Those flames shooting up into the air, sometimes five, six feet high. Oh, no, look out, look out. And I can keep him away from there. Folks, you Undertaker, can feel the heat. Yeah, you can feel it all right. Undertaker trying to jam the face of Kane into that flame. Folks, this is the first time we've seen The Undertaker in action since the Buried Alive match at Rock Bottom. Yeah, well, he may be buried after this matchup. He may be buried for good. And if he is, he deserves it. Nobody goes there. And here comes Kane now, battling back against The Undertaker. If you burn your opponent, you win the matchup. Uh, another way of putting that is, if you're burning, let me tell you, you're losing big time. Right. We're talking careers on the line here. And that's a shoot me. Wow. Mr. McMahon, it was The Undertaker last week on Raw who said that he was going to take over the WWF. Yeah, yeah and that's all well and good. And he can say anything he wants to say about that. But that's not really what I'm concerned with. Because it goes much deeper than that. And it's far more personal than business. I'm not talking business. I'm talking personal. That's what was in that envelope? Something that personal? I said it was personal. Kane with right hands now. Come on. Come on, Kane. Get him. Get him close to that flame. I want him to feel that heat. I want him to, I want him to get charred. Come on, Kane. Kane won't let me down. Kane won't let the corporation down. All these idle threats by The Undertaker about taking over the WWF, that's business. And Kane knows how to take care of business. I ordered the match. That's personal. Folks, you can feel the heat at ringside. Imagine what it feels like inside that ring right now. But Mr. McMahon, The Undertaker, also said he was answering to a greater power, a power greater, even, even greater than himself. Yeah, well, let me tell you, here tonight on Raw, he's answering to me, pal. <laughs> That's who he's answering to. Undertaker and Kane now. by Kane as the flames shoot high into the air. What? Wait a minute, what the hell is this? It's Paul Bearer. What's he doing? He's coming over here. He's not going to come over here. He's coming over here. Special delivery, Mr. Open it. Special delivery. Well, it's all wrapped up. Open it up. Let's see what it is. That man's going to be.
going to be all wrapped up because he's not going to represent The Undertaker unless it, The Undertaker's going to be in ashes tonight. Undertaker's going to be in an urn tonight. Yeah, but let's see what's in the package. Uh, we'll look at it later, all right? Undertaker whipped across the ring with authority. But there could be something good in there. Well, look at Kane now in control of The Undertaker. Yeah, get him close to the flame. Come on. Let's fill up this, this container or whatever it is. Let's put The Undertaker's ashes in it. Come on. Well, let's open it up first. And you got to open it up to be able to put ashes in Let's see what's inside it. Oh, what a kick. Yeah. I don't care what's inside it. Come on, Kane. Come on, Kane. Are you going to open it? You're not afraid to open it, are you? Come on. I know that badly, huh? I mean, you're not afraid to open it, are you? Let's see what's in this mysterious... I'm afraid. Open this. What? Well, what is it? What is it? What is the matter? Man, what's the matter? King, it's a... It's a, it's a teddy bear. is extremely upset, King. As Undertaker tries to rearrange the facial features of Kane, Mr. McMahon looks extremely upset here. Well, I mean, it's obviously symbolic of something, but what? Undertaker with a right hand. Mr. McMahon clutching a, a teddy bear as he walks around the ring. He's not even looking at the match. He's asking Paul Bear, what are you doing? What, Mean, can, what could that teddy bear mean? What uh, is this? But inside the ring, Kane is doing a number on The Undertaker as these flames now leap high in the air. The heat is so intense here at ringside, you can feel it. Look at this. Oh! Undertaker tossed out of the ring. Kane now. I can't believe it. I, I don't understand what, what made Mr. McMahon leave. He's left. What? What was it? Oh, man! Off to the announce table. Oh my God! Kane flew 15 feet through the air. Mr. McMahon still clutching that teddy bear as Kane is in deep trouble outside the ring. But Mr. McMahon, his focus isn't even attention. I thought he's done this match anymore. Undertaker in control of Kane. Remember the first way, the only way to win this matchup is if you set your opponent on fire. But Mr. McMahon isn't even worried about this match. He's worried about, he's worried about something. I mean, he's, he looks like he's devastated. He's clutching a teddy bear in his hands. That bear was delivered to Mr. McMahon at ringside. As soon as Mr. McMahon laid eyes on that bear, it just it was in shock. Look at this. Get out of here! Get out of here! Kane's in the fire! The Undertaker's won! Kane! Kane's foot's up! Get the box! Loser! Put it out! Kane's on fire! Help him! The Undertaker! But Mr. McMahon 
And a little bonus for everyone since they're both deceased now. And it was a shame that it never worked in the WWF as quickly as they came in. They were gone. But it was this week in 99 as well. that The public enemy made their WWF debut on Monday Night Raw. Of course, the Brood from the Ministry of Darkness, The Undertaker from the Ministry versus Kane, Inferno match a bit later on. Mr. McMahon hopes to derail the Ministry of Darkness. Gang round now left into the corner, and Rocco's in trouble. Look at this! Oh! Great team, The Brood, Gangrel and Edge. King, the corporation literally falling apart at the seams. This has got to be Mr. McMahon's worst nightmare. Oh, look at this! From behind, that's Grunge. Here's the double team. Missed that time. And from behind, Grunge, double DDT. And here's Edge now, whipped off the ropes. Public Enemy has made their name in tag team wrestling with double team maneuvers like that one. And now Gangrel's going to be the recipient here. Off the ropes now, double hip toss. Caught him in midair. Backbreaker. Well, I'm telling you, the Brood can't take Public Enemy lightly. These guys certainly don't want to don't have a loss on their... Debut here on Raw. Rock versus Paul White, WWF Championship tonight. Oh, I can't believe that. The corporation's falling apart. Look at this. Oh, what a double team maneuver. And that's Rocco. Oh. And he got caught by Christian, who's now in the ring. And the referee calls for the bell here. Three on two. And the Brood now taking it out on Public Enemy. Public Enemy off the ropes, and they say enough for this. See you later. Yeah. They'll win this one via disqualification. But Uh-oh. Oh, wait a minute. Can't we see this before? See what? I don't see anything. Oh! And there's the brood. Barely see him in that red hue. Oh, no. This is not good. Get the lights. The brood. They were at ringside going at it. Yay! I get to rip on WWE with their fucking dubbing. We had Super Brawl 2000 take place. San Francisco, California. Now, I'm going to get into all the match results first, and then we'll share the just blunder that they did. Maybe because I'm a fan of this person's music, it pissed me off even more. But let's get into the match results first. You had the artist formerly known as Prince IOK over Lash LaRue. That was a match for the vacant WCW Cruiserweight title. 
In a hardcore match for the hardcore title, Brian Nobbs over Bam Bam Bigelow, so Nobbs is a new champion. Three count defeats Norman Smiley in a handicap match. You had the wall over the demon. The leather jacket on a pole match, Tank Abbott defeats Big Al. And after the match, fucking Tank Abbott took out a knife and put it to the guy's throat. Listen to Tony Schiavone's commentary. I, I, I was going to share it over here, but it's only 10 seconds long. He's like, did he take out scissors? Was he going to cut his beard? Uh, no, he took out a fucking a knife. This guy should have been fired on the spot. Big T over Booker. Billy Kidman over Vampiro. The Mama Lukes over David Flair and Crowbar in a Sicilian stretcher match. They retained the tag titles. In a Texas death match, Ric Flair over Terry Funk. Hulk Hogan over the total package. In the main event, Sid Vicious retains the world heavyweight title, defeating Scott Hall and Jeff Jarrett in the three-way dance. During this event, we had James Brown make an appearance. Now, Ernest the Cat Miller at this time, doing a little bit of the James Brown gimmick. At one point, he promised that he would bring James Brown to WCW TV. The problem is, is that James Brown, um, I don't know if you call it that he backed out of a couple of times he was supposed to appear, but they tried to get him in and a couple of times it just didn't work out. So they didn't even know if he was going to appear at Super Bowl 2000. So he was never advertised. Now, obviously, if you ordered the replay, you got to see it. But because they worked out a deal at the very last second, we had James Brown appear at Super Bowl 2000. Now, let me set this up a little bit, okay? This whole segment is focused around James Brown and his music and dancing, a little dance-off between him and Ernest Cat Miller. So now you have the maestro who's feuding with Ernest Miller. Ernest Miller promising he's going to bring James Brown on WCW TV brings out a fake maestros making fun of Ernest Miller, blah, 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 some back and forth verbiage. Anyway, James Brown comes out crowd pops big time. Fucking the music choice that they use for James Brown was awesome. Love the added contemporary beat to the music it was fucking phenomenal. I was always a fan of James Brown. I got so many freaking songs of James Brown in my iPod still. Um, so that's what happened. And then James Brown is in the ring. There's a whole bunch of people at ringside all dancing and the crowd is loving it. It was really a cool segment. And then they do a dance off and the crowd, every time James Brown was doing his dance moves, the crowd went wild for it until it went to the WWE network. I mean, I understand why you don't want to pay royalties for just entrance music that doesn't affect the match that you're seeing on TV or the segment. I understand not wanting to pay Metallica and others, but when you dub over this entire segment with generic music, number one, you embarrass yourself because at one point, Tony Giovanni saying, yeah, that's James Brown's music. And you listen to it and it's not James Brown. The second part of it is that every time James Brown, because they had a little dance-off. Ernest Miller would do a couple of dance moves in the ring. James Brown would do it, and the crowd would go nuts. You listen to the WWE version of it, you hear no crowd reaction at all. You can't even tell when James Brown is dancing. 
So I'm going to give you first, and it's only a couple of minutes, but I just want to show you the difference of why I get so angry at the Bush League piss-poor editing that WWE does and why my original content, my original footage, although it's not crystal clear quality than the WWE Network, I will never trade in my VHS tapes and fucking dub shit that I have here over the WWE Network. No, ain't happening. So let me give you first... WWE's version on the WWE Network. The only thing I'm gonna be driving right now is this red suit in and out of your ass. Well, big surprise, huh? Don't you ever disrespect James like that again. Not the Godfather soul. Says who? Says me. What?
It's like, can you top this? You know what else is digging this? Look at the bottom of your screen. Even Symphony is digging this. And who would not? Maestro's still passed out. I only wish Don Cornelius was here. Now I give you the WCW original version from that night. Tell me which one is sounds more fun. It's not even fucking close. The only thing I won't be driving right now is this red suit in and out of your ass. Well, big surprise, huh? Disrespect James like that again. Not the Godfather soul. Says who? Says me. What? Today. I don't know if that's quite an entourage, but where's the Godfather? Well, that's it. That's his song. I don't think there's any question about that.
is here. So there you have it. I just, such a memorable moment. And WWE just totally fucked it up on their network. Anyway, 2001, WWF has no way out from Las Vegas, Nevada. Sunday Night Heat match, Rikishi over Matt Hardy. The pay-per-view at Big Show over Raven to win the hardcore title. Chris Jericho over Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, and X-Pac in a fatal four-way to retain the IC title. Stephanie McMahon-Helmsley over Trish Stratus. Yeah, I was going to share this match. It's not bad. I mean, I remember really praising Stephanie's work in this match. You look back on it now, it wasn't all that spectacular. But it, she did not embarrass herself. It wasn't a bad showing. So if you want to see an early match of Stephanie, this is the one to go check out. Triple H over Steve Austin, 2-1 to one in a three stages of hell match. Austin won the first fall, which was a regular match. Triple H won the street fight to tie it up. And then Triple H won the Steel Cage match. Steven Richards over Jerry Lawler with the loss. The cat, Stacey Carter, was forced to join right to censor. Unfortunately, we never got to see it happen. The cat was released from the WWF. And because of her release, Jerry Lawler quit WWF. All went down this time in 2001. The Dudleys over Edge and Christian and the Brothers of Destruction in a triple threat tables match to retain the tag titles. In the main event, The Rock over Kurt Angle to win the WWF Championship. 2002, Ring of Honor, born, debuted as a promotion. Started out with their first event called The Era of Honor Begins. Match results from that night, the Hit Squad over the Christopher Street Connection, the Amazing Red over Jay Briscoe, Xavier over Scoot Andrews, the Boogie Knights over the Natural Born Sinners of Boogaloo and Homicide, Quiet Storm over the Amazing Red, Brian XL, Chris Devine, Jose, and Joel Maximo in an ultimate aerial elimination match. Mikey Whipwreck was the special guest referee. Prince Nana over the Towel Boy. Spanky and uh, Ika, Ika Ika, I think it was, Loa. 
over Michael Shane and Oz, Super Crazy over Eddie Guerrero to win the IWA Intercontinental Championship, and in the main event, Low-Key over Christopher Daniels and Brian Danielson. 2003, No Way Out. Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Sunday Night Heat match, Rey Mysterio over Jamie Noble. Pay-per-view at Jericho over Jeff Hardy. William Regal and Lance Storm over Kane and Rob Van Dam to retain the World Tag Team titles. Matt Hardy over Kidman to win the Cruiserweight title. Undertaker over the Big Show. Brock Lesnar and Chris Benoit over Team Angle, which was Kurt Angle, Charlie Haas, and Shelton Benjamin. That was a great match. Triple H over Scott Steiner to retain the World Heavyweight title. That was not a great match. (laughs) Steve Austin over Eric Bischoff. And this was Steve Austin's first appearance in the WWF since he walked out uh, the summer of 2002. And in the main event, you had The Rock defeating Hulk Hogan. Sylvain Grenier was a special guest referee. That was his debut. And uh, they tried to recreate the Montreal Screwjob. Hulk Hogan was screwed by Vince McMahon, The Rock, and Sylvain Grenier. Now we go to the following night on Raw. Two moments to share with you. First off, Goldust. It was only, what, a week or two earlier that Goldust was in the back exchanged some words with Batista and Randy Orton. They got into a little bit of a brawl. Randy Orton and Batista throw Goldust into some electrical panel. Goldust gets electrocuted, taken out on a stretcher, and the visuals were awesome. Everybody was concerned. Storyline. You know, Goldust electrocuted. So, so this week in 2003 on Monday Night Raw, Goldust makes his first appearance after that incident, and he is interviewed by Jim Ross. Here's what went down. Goldust, let's get right to the heart of the matter. How are you feeling these days? question is, after last week's beating, how are you feeling, JR? Well, I'll be all right, but I'm a whole lot more concerned about you, and give us an update. Well, I was electrocuted, you know, there's... You either die or you live, and uh, happily I lived, and and hopefully soon I'll be back. Your good friend Booker T said that uh, on a recent interview that good old Goldie wasn't quite right. Uh, There's also been rumors abounding that uh, you have some neurological challenges you're trying to overcome. How do you address those rumors? There's been a, a lot of rumors for a lot of years about gold dust not being right. And as far as Booker T's concerned, he's my best friend. He's been my supporter. The fans have supported me through thick and thin. Excuse me? Well, they've supported me. I feel good. I feel as good as, I feel ah, as good as gold. I'm coming back. Ah! Gold us, I don't think think I'm going out on a limb here to say that uh, there's something wrong here. Well, I, I think there's something wrong too. You know, the doctors don't 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 really know what's wrong with me. You know, uh, but they say as long as I take take my medication, that 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 uh, you know everything will ah, work work itself out. So, you know, that's that's all I can say. If you had the opportunity to say something to the two men that did this to you. Randy Orton and Batista, what would it be? Randy Orton and Batista. 
You don't know what it feels like to be on the edge of death. But when this is all over, said and done, you will never forget the name of Gold Dust. And wrapping up 2003, teased it at the beginning of this show, The Rock, who is a SmackDown guy, appears on Monday Night Raw and cuts just an entertaining promo on the Toronto fans. Tehran! Tehran! Well, despite what Steve Austin tried to do to me last night, right? If you think Raw was going to start out tonight with Austin coming out here bragging about what he did to me, well, guess again. Because I banned Austin from the building. What? That's, well, that's, oh, that's, that's the audacity of this man. He can still and smile. It's really too bad, you see. Stone Cold is going to miss out on tonight's main event. A company-wide, 20-man, over-the-top battle royal, in which the winner, in which the winner will face Triple H for the world title at WrestleMania. And Austin's, gonna, Austin's missing out on that, man. What a huge main event. That punishment on Austin, though. Now, Austin may not feel my wrath tonight oh look at this but he will next week live on raw from long island when he's greeted by my own personal welcoming committee what the hell's he mean by that but there's another reason why austin isn't here tonight because i want the spotlight on an even bigger star bigger star. in fact the biggest star in WWE. Oh, hell! The biggest star in the history of this industry! What are you talking about? I don't have a clue. Who could it be? Say the 
Last night, 
Last night at No Way Out, The Rock did Vince McMahon a favor, and he whooped that red and yellow candy ass. These people are in denial. And then, and then, Vince McMahon did The Rock a favor. He said, Rock, you can go wherever you want to go. You can do whatever you want to do. So The Rock said he wanted to go live Monday night on Raw. More importantly than that, The Rock said he wanted to come right here to Toronto, Canada. Rock sucking up in this crowd, if you ask me. And then The Rock said, uh, uh, wait a minute, are you, are you kidding The Rock? Are you kidding The Rock? What, is this the first time you've ever heard someone mention your city? Is that it? Oh, yay, hooray, he said Toronto, yay, woo, yay. That's where we live, we live in Toronto, yay, shut up. Oh. Sometimes there's not a lot to cheer about living here in Toronto. I beg your pardon. Now, you see, The Rock wanted to come right here to Toronto because, you see, it was here in Toronto that it all started. What started? I don't know. Yeah, The Rock didn't forget. The Rock didn't forget because, you see, the biggest travesty in the history of the industry. It was here in Toronto that the people turned on the people's champion. Oh, no, 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 don't, no, we did it, Rock, no, we, oh, yes, you did. Oh, The Rock, The Rock, yes, you did, baby, yes, you did. Last year, last year, WrestleMania, 68,000 strong, 68,000 of you mother Canuckers booing The Rock out of the building. Mother, mother Canuckers, the mother Canuckers, they are. Oh, that's totally disrespectful. I knew they were. And uncalled for, quite frankly. Don't be a mother Canucker. But he's accurate, as far as the booing. They were cheering for Hogan at WrestleMania. He's, he's right about that. We're doing it again. Well, let me just help you all Canadians. You see, you understand? This is Raw. Hogan's on SmackDown. Hogan's not here. We understand that. Okay, now. So what would you think? Did you actually think that The Rock was just going to forget? Is that what you thought? That The Rock was just going to forget? That The Rock was just going to let it slide? Is that what you think? They are Mother Canuckers, you know. It doesn't matter what you people think! Oh. I just can't believe this attitude from The Rock, quite frankly. <laughs> I guess The Rock told Toronto, did he? Oh, no, 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 you don't boo The Rock, look you fatty. The Rock gets more pie in a week than you get in a lifetime. <laughs> I got never had pie. But there's one thing that bothered The Rock more than that. It was that it was it was that it was that, it was that Raw's 10th anniversary that the people did not vote for The Rock to be superstar of the decade. Ooh, that was actually Austin's accolade. Another slap in the face to the great one. These things don't set well with the rock. Wait, 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 wait. what's now? He's chanting for Stone Cold here. What? <laughs> you, uh, you voted for Stone Cold Steve Austin. 
knows. Everybody loves Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, everybody loves Stone Cold. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, The Rock, The Rock doesn't love Stone Cold. The Rock doesn't love Stone Cold. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, Stone Cold Steve Austin is nothing. Nothing compared. Uh oh. Uh oh. Don't do that. Compared to The Rock. No, 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 no. You see, there is only one. There's only one true superstar of the decade, true superstar of the millennium. You know who that is? The Rock will tell you who that is. Toronto. That is the jabroni beaten, pie eating, trailblazing, eyebrow raising. Stronger than a bear, faster than a buck, the biggest thing to hit Canada because the maple leaves suck. this night. This is great. Oh, wait a minute. Here's another chance for the rock. He was certainly not going to appreciate this. I can't believe my own ears. I don't believe what I'm hearing. Well, your ears don't deceive you. I, I, I don't think people in the United States are going to boo the rock. They don't believe that. His feelings are genuinely hurt here. He sold out. He sold out arenas all over the world, you idiots. Movie theaters, too. If you don't believe that, then maybe you'll believe this. You see, there's a, there's, there's a big battle royal that's going to happen tonight. And the Rock, the Rock is gonna, the Rock is gonna just toss his head in that battle royal because the Rock is gonna come in here. He's gonna throw all that candy acid out of the ring. The Rock is gonna win the battle royal. The Rock is going on to WrestleMania, and the Rock will become your world champion. The Rock is gonna be in the battle royal here tonight on Raw. I guess he is. Back up, lock it or not. Back up, back up, Jr. Yes, some Another big mistake. Now, you see, that ain't a... Hey, you were the first to boo The Rock, so you were the very first to lose that sing-along privilege. No more. Ah. You can't sing along with The Rock. No. No. They can't. No more. 
So since you were the first to boo the rock, the rock. Listen to this. This chant is usually reserved for women and men. Especially in Canada. Are you done? Since you were the first to boo the rock, the rock says, the rock says this. Hey, hey, Canada, you know what? Hell. Know your role, just shut your mouth, take all your booze, stick them straight up your maple syrup, sucking candy asses. I cannot believe this attitude. <laughs> the Rock, and only The Rock, has the privilege of saying this. Is cooking. 2004, Omaha, Nebraska. Monday Night Raw. We had two matches of note. First off, Victoria over Molly Holly, Jazz and Lita in a fatal four-way elimination match to win the women's title. That's a pretty damn good match if you want to go watch some women's matches from the early 2000s. Main event was Vince and Eric Bischoff. They were supposed to have a match. Went to a no contest because special guest referee Steve Austin was attacked by Brock Lesnar. That was to start setting up what was going down at WrestleMania. 2005, Monday Night Raw, always be remembered for two particular moments. First off, we had Chris Masters make his TV debut. Unfortunately, during his match with Stevie Richards, he accidentally um, broke Stephen Richards' orbital bone. Pretty brutal. I remember doing a hotline and I believe an episode of Minority Report that's still online. We were just ripping the shit out of Chris Masters. Accidents happen, obviously. But the moment that everybody will always remember from this night, 2005, you know, we had evolution in full force. You knew Batista ultimately was breaking out as a single superstar, and it really began tonight. Since Batista won the Royal Rumble, he had the opportunity to choose who he was going to face at WrestleMania. He showed up on Raw, and in the ring was Eric Bischoff representing Raw, Teddy Long representing SmackDown. You had Triple H and Ric Flair representing Evolution and Batista. Everybody thought Batista was going to face the SmackDown champion, and Flair and Triple H are giving him a two thumbs up, and Batista gives them the thumbs down. Dave, this shouldn't be a very difficult decision for you. Because there's really only one person that you need to listen to. See, because it's not what's best for Raw, and it's not about What's best for SmackDown? It's about one thing, big man. It's about what's best for you. It's about what's best for Batista, man. And I don't want you to worry about Rick and myself, because, hey, what's best for Batista? will be best for evolution. I want you to picture something, Dave. Imagine this. It's WrestleMania 21. 
It's all said and done, and I'm standing in the middle of this ring, still the world heavyweight champion. And standing right next to me is the new WWE champion, Batista. Think about it, Dave. We would rule the world. We would answer to no one, man. Everything we ever dreamed of. Do you know how big that is? Think about it like this. It's 1986. The Four Horsemen are running wild. Ric Flair is the NWA champion. But what if? What if? Arn Anderson were the WWE champion, huh? They would have been unstoppable. But it never happened. Think about it like this. DX in our prime, on top of our game. Shawn Michaels is the WWE champion. What if I had been the WCW champion? We could have written history. Do you see that, Dave? But it never happened. You and I, you and I have an opportunity to make history. And we owe it to ourselves to do it. Now, Dave, I don't want you to be concerned about Bradshaw. I don't want you to be concerned about Cena because I know deep inside of my heart you could beat both those guys at the same time like that. You see, Dave, we have an opportunity to do the greatest thing that has ever been done in this industry. We owe it to ourselves. We owe it to the world. You and I to walk that aisle with the nature boy, Ric Flair, side by side, owning this business. Doesn't seem like a difficult decision to me at all, Dave. It really doesn't. And I've got a feeling you know what you want to do, big man, don't you? You know what you want to do. Hunter, I've known what I was going to do for a long time.
Hunter, I'm staying right here on Raw. Now, WrestleMania, I'm taking the World Championship. From you. Wrapping up 2005, we started to hear little rumblings that WWE was contacting former ECW stars to appear at the upcoming ECW One Night Stand pay-per-view. 2006, No Way Out from Baltimore, Maryland. Sunday Night Heat Match, The Boogeyman over Simon Dean. Pay-per-view at Gregory Helms, retained the Cruiserweight title, defeating Brian Kendrick, Funaki, Paul London, Kid Cash, Scotty Tuhati, Psychosis, and Super Crazy in a nine-way match. JBL over Lashley, Matt Hardy and Tatanka over Joey Mercury and Johnny Nitro, Chris Benoit over Booker T to win the United States title, Randy Orton defeats Rey Mysterio Jr. to win the opportunity to wrestle for the heavyweight championship at WrestleMania, the main event, Kurt Angle over The Undertaker to retain the world heavyweight title. 2010, Elimination Chamber, St. Louis, Missouri. And this was the night that Undertaker suffered first and second degree burns when they had the pyrotechnics accident during his entrance. Um, there's some footage online, and it's a little disturbing. It's fucked up, you know, but uh, he still, you know, competed. Just amazing. He would, you know, if you go back and you watch it, you see all throughout the match, he keeps dousing himself with water because his skin was so fucking hot from the pyrotechnics accident, still insisted on performing. So give that man a lot of respect for, you know, and, and at the same time, you could say, well, WWE should have never allowed him to perform. Yeah, I guess you could look at it that way as well. Dark match, you had Christian over Ezekiel Jackson. Pay-per-view at John Cena, defeat Triple H, Sheamus, Randy Orton, Ted DiBiase, and Kofi Kingston in an elimination chamber match to win the WWE Championship. Here's the closing moments of that match because fresh on his WWE Championship win, he would be immediately challenged by Batista. Hey, Sheamus, this is where he's comfortable, the barbaric... Assault. Well, let's not forget about the game. I mean, I'm looking over here. He has, I don't even know if he's moved since being thrown over that top rope and landing on that, that steel floor. Hey, he could have been unconscious for a while, for all we know. I mean, remember Randy Orton planted him with that, that hey, 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 head hey. first. Watch and yourself, pump. Cena. You got it. Sheamus going for the top rope, looking to put John Cena away. It's Completely legal. Payback to Sheamus from Triple H. And Triple H looking for the pedigree. Does Triple H have enough to cover the champion? Triple H. Yes. Got him. Triple H has eliminated the champion. We are guaranteed a new WWE champion. Sheamus. Tonight. Oh, 
and damage done in the ring. The last two men are Cena and Triple H. One of these men will headline WrestleMania as the WWE Champion. And Triple H's head must be ringing. The pulse must be pounding after being dumped unceremoniously on the steel floor. John Cena's back must be burning after the assault from Sheamus. Cena trying to somehow get to his feet. The Ooh. game as well. Who oh. has more? Who's going to reach down deeper for the WWE Championship and the opportunity at WrestleMania? And look at John oh. Cena. Going to the STF. Going to the STF. Locked in. Triple H in trouble. He's got to get on his back. Triple H has got to roll to his back. Brutal submission hold that puts the pressure on the head, neck, and knee. Triple H has got to get to his back. He's got to get to his back here, folks. And Cena looks as if he's riding a wild ball here. Trying to last until the game will tap out. Will Triple H tap out? Will Cena go to WrestleMania? Can the game hold on? Every time Triple H's chest touches the mat, that's where this maneuver is most painful. Clawing, clutching, grabbing. I don't think he's going to be able to make it. John Cena with the STF locked in. Triple H in an unbelievable amount of pain. And Triple H is fading. Look at his hands. Look at his hands. That, if that hands a tap, he tapped out. is placed in his hands once again. Look at the reaction from your new WWE Champion. The chairman of the WWE, Mr. McMahon. Congratulations. Congratulations, Mr. Cena. You're going to WrestleMania. Just as long as you can defend your championship right now against this man. What is he saying? Oh my God! You gotta be kidding me! The chairman of the board, the straw that stirs the drink. Ladies and gentlemen, the animal, Batista! You mean, you mean Mr. McMahon is making John Cena. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Defend the top net right oh, there. Yeah. John yes. Cena can't even get to his feet. John Cena hasn't been able to get to his feet since I, this chamber match. I love it. I think it's great. I think it's shrewd strategy. I think the animal is unleashed. Oh, my Lord. Tell me what the strategy is of this. 
other than just being vindictive, yeah. other than just wanting to spite uh -huh. John Cena. What, what, what strategy? There, there, there you, there you answered it. Batista has become Mr. McMahon's heavy. And John Cena's been a thorn in, in, in Mr. McMahon's side. And ladies, forget all that. Forget the arguments. This is about the WWE title. John Cena has to defend the title right now against Batista after going through a 45-minute chamber match. <laughs> Cena, hands up, fist clenched, ready to go. And John Cena says go, and a right hand stuns Batista momentarily. Yeah, but Batista is fresh and rested, like you said, Michael. John Cena's just endured close to 50 minutes of hell. And again, Batista looks like he was embarrassed by that right hand. Oh, yeah. Spear! Spear! Oh, my God, oh, the no. animal is unleashed here. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Batista preying on John Cena's vulnerability. No winner of this match. And new WWE Champion. I think. Batista! I think you need to add the words Batista and Mr. McMahon preying on yeah. the vulnerability of John Cena. And Batista will headline WrestleMania as the WWE Champion. Well. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm just thinking back now, Kinga. Remember the interview Batista and John Cena engaged in this past Monday night on Raw. Batista told John Cena Monday night, if we are ever in the same ring again, you're going to wish it was a bad dream. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you just witnessed John Cena's nightmare. So John Cena's title reign was officially 31 seconds. Drew McIntyre over Kane to retain the IC championship. Michelle McCool and Layla over Maurice and Gail Kim. The Miz over MVP to retain the U.S. title. Main event, you had Chris Jericho defeating The Undertaker, John Morrison, R-Truth, Rey Mysterio, and CM Punk in Elimination Chamber match to win the World Heavyweight title. Same week, now with uh, WWE no longer airing ECW, their version of it on television, they debuted their first ever episode of NXT. And, you know, the premise was eight rookies paired up with eight WWE superstars. You would have competitions that would last about three months long to the opportunity of winning a WWE contract and a world championship match on a pay-per-view. Matches that took place this night, you had Christian and Heat Slate over Carlito and Michael Tarver, David Otunga over Darren Young, and Chris Jericho over Daniel Bryan. 2011, you know, this was funny because uh, you know, we were right smack in the middle of The Rock and John Cena going back and forth, you know, cutting promos on each other, you know, leading up to WrestleMania. You know, last year we shared John Cena's thugonomics, so there's no reason to bring it up this year. But I will always remember this week for one particular moment, and that was 2-21-11. Do you remember that? WWE was teasing the graphic of 2-21-11, and they would have little vignettes. You would hear Johnny Cash's music and the lyrics, there ain't no grave that could hold my body down. And if you do a Google search or if you want to go on um, 
that history website. Uh, fuck, I'm drawing a blank right now. Uh, Wayback Machine. It's amazing how many news reports were reporting that Sting was coming into the WWE, and that's what the 221.11 was all about. And what was even funnier, because there's articles still existing online, is that people overanalyzed it. They were analyzing it, saying that this shows all signs that The Undertaker was making his return. And then you would have people that, in all capital letters, write, wrong, ain't happening, I don't think so. And they would take the article, and instead of just having an opinion, they tried to turn it into fact. They would go on and to write 10,000 reasons why it was Sting. Sting was taken off of TNA's cards at that time, and it ended up being Undertaker after all. They overthank it. It was pretty fucking funny at the time. I know we covered it on the DTKC show at that time, but still, you look back on it, and it was pretty fucking hilarious. I mean, yes, it was a letdown, but just to give you a little perspective, and I was going to po- put the clip, you know, the the screenshot of the newspaper clip and the synopsis. The problem is, is that because my the way my synopsis photo was set up, I would have to make the clip so large for you to read the print. But if I keep it small, you can't even read it. But the New York Daily News here in New York and the fucking Slammer and those other Matarazzi's at the time, they were reporting point blank that Sting had signed with the WWE and it wasn't true. Wrapping up 2011, WWE signed the original Sincata to a WWE deal. We know how that turned out. 2012, WWE has Elimination Chamber from the Bradley Center to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Dark match was Hunikov, Alex Riley. You had CM Punk defeating Dolph Ziggler, Miz, R-Truth, Kofi Kingston, and Chris Jericho in an Elimination Chamber match to retain the WWE Championship. Beth Phoenix over Tamina to retain the Divas title. Daniel Bryan over the great Kali, Wade Barrett, Cody Rhodes, and Tina Moretta, and the Big Show in Elimination Chamber match. So Daniel Bryan retains the World Heavyweight title. Jack Swagger over Justin Gabriel to retain the U.S. title. And John Cena over Kane in an ambulance match. Uh, fresh off of the uh, just the devastation that the Tohoku earthquake and tsunami had in Japan you had uh, All Japan, New Japan, and Pro Wrestling Noah. They co-promoted an event called All Together. That's how it's pronounced, in, you know, translated in English. All Together, One Small, Let's Become One. They had a series of events in Japan to raise money for the victims of the earthquake and tsunami. And it was a, it was a pretty damn good card. You also had people uh, wrestle from Michinoku Pro, uh, Sendai's Girls Pro Wrestling Promotion, Kintsuki, Diamond Ring. Um, there was a lot of different wrestlers uh, who performed. Um, I'll give you the match results. Hopefully, my Japanese has improved over the last year or two. The great Sasuke, Reyuzuki, Taguchi, Taiji, Ishimori, and Tiger Mask. They defeat Gato, Jado, Keno, and Taro Nahashi. Hiroshi Tenzan, Kentaro Shiga, and Satoshi Kojima over Captain All Japan, Captain New Japan, and Captain Noah. Katsuhiko Nakajima, Kaz Hayashi, Shuji Kondo, and Yoshinobu Kanemura. They defeat Jushin Tadalaga, Kei, uh, Kotaro Suzuki, and Minoru Tanaka. 
Takashi Sugira and Yujiro Takahashi over Manabu Soya and Toji Makabe. Akibono Naomuchi Marufuchi, Kensuki Sasaki and Yuji Nagata over Suzuki Gun. Akitoshi Saito, Hiroki Goto, and Jinzei Shinzaiki over Chaos, which was Shinsuke Nakamura, Takashi Izuka, and Toriyano. Yokeji Muto and Kenta Kobashi over Jun Akayama and Takayo Omori. And in the main event, Hiroshi Tanahashi Suwama and Takeshi Morishima over Go Shiozaki, Saya Sanada, and Tetsuya Naito. 2013 Monday Night Raw, I'll always remember it for two reasons. Number one, John Cena versus CM Punk. Cena won that night, earning WWE Championship match at WrestleMania 29. This was one of their best matches that you don't ever hear anybody talk about. If you want to go out of your way to see a Cena versus Punk match, go check this one out. But I'll always remember this night for another reason, because during this episode of Raw, we got this announcement for the 2013 WWE Hall of Fame. And ladies and gentlemen, right now we want to introduce you to the latest celebrity honoree in the WWE Hall of Fame. Money, 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 money. Business mogul, best-selling author, reality television star. His outspoken personality and inherent business acumen has made him one of the most powerful men in the world. Donald Trump has been one of the biggest supporters of WWE since the 1980s. As WrestleMania was becoming a global sensation, the Trump brand skyrocketed to new heights, and the master of the art of the deal orchestrated a huge business merger. Everybody in the country wanted this event, and we were able to get it, and that's a great honor for Trump and for Atlantic City. Tom's a businessman, so he thought that WrestleMania could bring something you know, to Atlantic City and to his casino that had not been there before. He was right. WrestleMania 4 created such an economic boom that Donald doubled down and brought WrestleMania back to Trump Plaza the following year, marking the only time a venue has hosted consecutive WrestleManias. But it would not be the last time Trump made history on WWE's biggest stage. Billionaires, the hair versus hair match. The showdown between Donald Trump and Vince McMahon at WrestleMania 23 caused a media frenzy, and celebrities weighed in as to which billionaire would lose his famous locks. I'd like to see Donald get his head shaved. You gotta see the, you know, the Donald bald. Donald Trump. Donald's absolutely. Trump's a businessman. He didn't get into this deal thinking he was gonna lose. In front of a record-setting 80,000 fans at Ford Field and one of the largest pay-per-view audiences in WrestleMania history, both tycoons pulled out all the stops to prevent a hostile makeover. Entrepreneur. 
visionary, entertainer, and now the Donald can add another accolade to his portfolio. Celebrity honoree in the class of 2013, WWE Hall of Fame. Wow, congratulations to Mr. Donald Trump. There you see a class of 2013 inductee. He hosted WrestleMania 4 and 5 and was a part of one of the most memorable WrestleMania matches in history in which the head of Vince McMahon was shaved. Congratulations, Donald Trump. This is going to be so huge. The celebrity honoree in the WWE Hall of Fame. 2014 Ring of Honor had the 12th anniversary show from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. You had B.J. Whipner, Jimmy Jacobs, and Roderick Strong over Adam Page, Cedric Alexander, and Mark Briscoe. Tommaso Ciampa over Hanson to retain the Ring of Honor World TV title. Michael Elgin over Raymond Rowe. Jay Briscoe over Michael Bennett. Red Dragon of Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly over Adrenaline Rush was ACH and Tatarias Thomas. I know some people pronounce it Tatarias, but I say Tatarias. They retain the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships. AJ Styles over Jay Lethal. Adam Cole over Chris Hero to retain the World Championship. And you had Kevin Steen over Cliff Compton in the Philadelphia Street Fight. Also in 2014, we had the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view take place from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Big E over Jack Swagger to retain the Intercontinental Championship. The New Age Outlaws over the Usos to retain the tag titles. You had Titus O'Neil over Darren Young. That sucked. The Wyatt Family over The Shield. Cameron over AJ Lee by DQ uh, in a Divas Championship match. That sucked. Batista over Alberto Del Rio, that sucked. Randy Orton defeats Sheamus, John Cena, Daniel Bryan, Cesaro, and Christian in an elimination chamber match to retain the World Heavyweight Championship. Same week, WWE launches the WWE Network in the United States. And I we've been a subscriber since day one and still a subscriber to this day. Even though I know I should be using bullshit emails, get the one-month trial, cancel the subscription, use a new email, do a one-month trial, cancel the, I did that with Sirius Satellite, their internet radio for about a year and a half, couldn't keep up with it. So I'm like, you know what, just take the fucking nine ninety nine. They do entertain me enough, WWE, so it's a little way of giving back. So I don't mind paying it, but it pisses me off when they butcher stuff like we talked about earlier. And um, just to finish up 2014, we had a surprise return of Hulk Hogan. Now, remember, he had been gone from the WWE for several years. Um, in fact, seven, I believe, to be exact, or a little over, little under seven he went to TNA, we know the history, blah, 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 blah. So he comes back on WWE television, and I think his main purpose, more than anything, was to push the WWE network. And let's just say he got a little bit tongue-tied, confused, brain cramp. I don't know. Check this out. You know, 30 years ago, I was part of something very, very special. Something that turned into a global phenomenon. The first ever WrestleMania. 
You know, history was made that day, and history's being made right now with the launch of the WWE Universe. The WWE Universe has now launched the WWE Network. That's why history is being made right here with everybody in the WWE Universe. Gonna wrap this up momentarily. Wrapping up 2014 as well. I should also mention this. Happy anniversary to Miz and Maris. This week of 14, they got married. 2015, WWE has the Fast Lane pay per view from Memphis, Tennessee. The Authority, which was Seth Rollins' big show in Kane over Dolph Ziggler, Eric Rowan, and Ryback. Goldust over Stardust. Tyson Kidd and Cesaro over the Usos to win the tag titles. You had Nikki Bella retain the Divas Championship, defeating Paige. Bad News Barrett over Dean Ambrose by DQ to retain the Intercontinental Championship. Rusev over John Cena to retain the U.S. title. And Roman Reigns defeats Daniel Bryan to earn a shot for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania. Crowd was not into Roman Reigns, but I will always remember this match for one thing. The sign front center in the camera that said, if Roman wins... We go home afterwards. <laughs> That's a play on if Cena wins, we riot. I love that sign because it's just, you know, it just mocked fans. Hey, cancel WWE Net. Come on. 2016 WWE has Fastlane from Cleveland, Ohio. Pre-show match, Kalisto over Alberto Del Rio. Two falls to one to retain the United States Championship. Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks over Team Bad, which was Naomi and Tamina. Kevin Owens over Dolph Ziggler to retain the IC Championship. Ryback, Big Show, and Kane over the Wyatt family, which was Braun Strowman, Luke Harper, and Eric Rowan. Charlotte over Brie Bella to retain the Divas title. AJ Styles over Chris Jericho. Curtis Axel over R-Truth. Roman Reigns defeats Dean Ambrose and Brock Lesnar in a triple threat match to win the WWE World Heavyweight Championship match at the WrestleMania. Who am I imitating horribly? And we have to wrap up this episode with a clip. It was this week in 2016, Monday Night Raw, Detroit, Michigan. Always loved the crowd this night. We have Vince McMahon in the middle of the ring. Little ceremony. He was going to present the first ever Vincent J. McMahon Legacy Award of Excellence. And the first ever recipient was supposed to be Stephanie McMahon. And then this happened. Well, tonight will be a night that you will never, ever forget. Because tonight, we present the first ever Vincent J. McMahon Award. The Legacy of Excellence Award. You don't want to want this award. This is too special. If I may, let me speak about my my family as to why this is being presented here tonight and how we got here. For over a hundred years, my family has been presenting sports entertainment. It started with my grandfather back in 1914, on to my dad, who unquestionably was one of the all-time greats, a legend. And my dad promoted in Northeast Territory, as it was known, and was honored in Madison Square Garden and ducked into the Hall of Fame in 1984. So what we're talking about here is legacy. My dad was a very 
Well, he had a cunning business mind, but he was very kind. He had a, a really warm heart. He was very, a very generous person. So the person we honor tonight has those qualities. Not only a great business acumen, but is truly a warm, good-hearted soul. And thus, it is my pleasure to introduce to you the recipient of the Vincent James McMahon Legacy of Excellence Award to Stephanie McMahon! Awesome! I wasn't expecting this. Who else would you expect? It's a Legacy Award. The greatest award ever given in the history of sports entertainment. Who else could it go to but Stephanie McMahon? Stephanie is one of the principal owners of WWE, of course, the daughter of that man, Mr. McMahon. Many people say Stephanie uh, has many of Mr. McMahon's traits. Apparently a warm, good-hearted soul, too. A hundred years of sports entertainment, and Stephanie McMahon is carrying the banner into a fourth generation. What a great moment. Stephanie is crying. There's no one in the world, no one in the world that deserves this award as much as you. I am so proud of you, Stephanie. You were born into this business. You again exemplify all of the attributes of my dad, such a wonderful human being. Congratulations. Thank you, Dad. I just, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, these people are all so supportive of me winning this award. And I mean, it's so unexpected. It, it is our family's legacy. And, and I do just have a few prepared remarks. I, I didn't expect to win, but I did just prepare something just in case. But before I do, I think it's important that I acknowledge my teammate, my partner in life, and that is the WWE World Heavyweight Champion, Triple H. Who at this very moment is getting ready to defend his championship against Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. If I may.
this. First off, thank you so much for that. Yeah, what's up, Detroit? Excuse me while I conduct a little business for a second. Um, you know, you just, you had to do it, didn't you? This is the straw that broke the camel's back, and that's why I'm back here. The Vincent J. McMahon Legacy of Excellence Award. Phenomenal idea. Amazing. And should be bestowed upon someone who's a worthy recipient. And that's not you. Hello, Stephanie. I'm sorry, but it's not. Be nice, okay? You and I maybe need to talk. Okay, back backstage. You and I need to talk there. This is 
Yeah. No, no, you, you had your chance. We, we could have done that days ago. No, you're always telling me to, what was it when I was a little boy? You got to man up. You got to do things face to face. And you always said, well, why not do it out in front of the arena? Why not do it in this very ring? So that's what we're going to do tonight. It's all getting done right here tonight. It's like I'm not even standing here. Shane, this isn't about you. This, this isn't your moment. This is my moment. That is my legacy. Yes. That is my legacy, Shane. All due respect, you haven't earned it. What would you know about earning every anything, Shane? You haven't even been here the past six or seven years. Oh, it's real convenient to watch from home and, and say what you would do with business, okay? Let me tell you something. My husband and I have been successfully running a billion dollar business with our blood, sweat, and tears, whether these people appreciate it or not. Before I address that, she doesn't know, does she? <laughs> you don't know. You don't know. Huh. Well, let me tell you this, Stephanie. Um, let's just say, you and your husband, Triple H, have been really running this company into the ground. Let's take a few indicators. Let's look at the stock. Let's look at ratings. Let's look at the plethora of talent injuries, all under your watch, under your auspices, down into the ground. Great job. You're saying this in front of this packed house here in Detroit, right? Okay, because you don't know what it means to be a success, Shane. How would you? You're nothing more than a quitter. Now get the hell out of my ring. Number one, it's your father's ring. And uh, let me, since you don't actually understand what's going on here, do you, do you want to tell her, or do you, do you want me to? I don't think this is the time or the place. Well, I think, no, no, we don't have to get into all the gory details, but this is definitely the time, and this is definitely the place. Yes, let's, let's get this out here. What is right. it? Several years ago, your father messed up big time. Huge. And who was there to save the day? Me. So this is what happened, because you don't know. Your father and I, we cut ourselves a little deal. And in that deal, I was able to do lots of things that I wanted to do. I was able to take some time off. I was able to build some businesses. But one thing's for sure, Stephanie, I never lost my place in line. This is absolutely ridiculous. Nothing happens in WWE's business that I don't know. Oh, well, actually, I understand this is a tough pill for you to swallow, and believe me, it's a tough spot, but you don't know what you don't know. But know this, the reason you've been able to climb so high thus far is because I let it happen. 
preposterous dad. Tell me this isn't true. There's no way that this is true. None of it. Let, let, me, let me have a word with Shane, all right? Just let me have a word with Shane. You know what? <laughs> this is absolutely insane, okay? We have a little something called WrestleMania coming up. So, Shane, if you feel like showing up this year, then maybe I'll get you a ticket. It won't exactly be ringside, but, you know, I'll do my best. So, on that note, thank you. I want to have a word with Shane, okay? Well, you and I will talk later. We'll have a conversation later on. Is it true? We'll have a conversation Is later on. Is it true, Dad? And we're going to have a conversation. Is this true? And, and the award will be presented to you backstage. Dad. Is it true? There's some truth to it, okay? But we need to talk about... Get your... It's all true. You know what it was, Stephanie? At the time, um, it was best for business. Let me hold the ropes for you. Bye-bye. I will never forgive you for this. So what's this all about? Okay, come on, what's it all about? I got my checkbook. I'll take out my checkbook. I'll write off another check to you, okay? Just another one. That's what you want. You want your cash. You got to name your price. Any price, huh? You got it. This isn't about money. It was never about money. I left lotto money on the table just to get out from underneath you. Sometimes I wake up in the morning and I say, boy, what a doofus. But actually, when I look in the mirror, I quickly come to a very calming sense that I am not beholden to you anymore. I have freedom. What this is about is this. This is about legacy. Legacy. Your, your grandfather, your dad, you being third generation, me being fourth generation, Marissa and I creating the fifth generation with three boys at home, Declan, Kenyon, and Rogan. Three. And I want this business to be around for the fifth generation, and the sixth, and the seventh, and so on, and so forth. And the way it's heading, it's not going that way. So what do you really want? It's, it's not about money. Come on, Shane. Oh, what is it, huh? Simple. I want control of Monday Night Raw. Oh, wow, that's a good one. <laughs> 
That's all you want, just control over Monday Night Raw. I mean, how Monday Night Raw goes, the entire company goes, and all the employees, and everything with it, Chano. You have to understand that if you were controlling Monday Night Raw, you would be controlling the entire company. And... Exactly. Things have changed. This is a public company now, Shane. You just can't step right in here and pick right up where you left off. Can't do it. Once again, things have changed, but not for the better. I am out here to once again make sure that there is, again, generational. Generational. I know what you're doing. You're out here, you're itching for a fight. You came out here, that's all you want. You came out here to embarrass Stephanie. You came out here to embarrass me. That's all, that's that's it. And you people, you want Shane McMahon to run Monday Night Raw. You have no idea what you're asking for. You have no idea, not a clue. So I'll tell you what, I'll make you a little deal, that's what I'll do. Uh, well, not a little deal, it'll just be a real big one. I'll give you what you want. How's that? What's the catch? Uh, well, there's not really a catch. I'll give you what you want, um, as long as you have one match, one night. Hey, and you win your match, you get your wish. If you don't win your match, then I get what I want. I want the key to that lockbox you've got, okay? And I want everything out of it in my possession. So you will not hold anything over my head ever again. So what about it? One match, one night, an opponent of my choosing. I'll tell you where and when and who. So what about it, Shano? Huh? Everybody's happy to see Shano back. One match, one night. That's it. This certainly won't be my first deal with the devil. You got a deal. Well, before you leave, just how strong are you, Shano? Because I'm going to name a place, I'm going to name an opponent almost as big as your ego. Not quite. Almost as big. And the place and the time is going to be WrestleMania. And your opponent is going to be The Undertaker. Oh, by the way, just so you can't take your ball and run home like you have before, this match will be in Hell and a stand. 
Notable birthdays this week, those celebrating birthdays who are no longer with us. Happy birthday to Buddy Rogers, Big John Studd, Billy Darnell, Kentaro Oki, Ron Rossi, Rhonda Singh, George Tragos, Masanobo Okamoto, Jack Holland, Big Boy Cronin, El Hill, Del Ciancaras, Sailor Jack Arnold, Paul Novak, and Mr. Pogo. Happy birthday to all of you. Umberto Garza turns 82, Antonio Inoki, 76. Rick Flair and La Gacela turn 70. Dos Caros, 68. Tommy Cairo, 61. Doug Stahl and Max Muscle turn 56. Giant Kamala, number 2, 55. Bass Rutten, 54. Dan Collins, 52. Gato, 50. Ron Niemi, 49. Super Calo, 48. Francine and Tomoko Watanabe turn 47. Mr. Nibla, Kayoko Ichiki. Tiffany and Ryota Chikuzin turn 46. Danny Doring and Yukari Omori turn 45. Marty Sugar and Superboy turn 44. Gil Kim, Helena Heavenly, and the Juggalator turn 43. TNT turns 42. Pegaso and Brandon Lee, 41. Carlito, 40. Tyrus turns for, uh, 39. Ty Dillinger, Daisuke Sekimoto, Sick Boy, and Super Dave, they turn 38. Maria Canellis and El Torito turn 37. Dan Barry and Wes Briscoe turn 36. Corey Graves, Brent McKenzie, Bobby Dempsey, Stryker, Bendejo, I love that name, Ben Dejo, Bendejo, Mike Seidel and Zane Riley turn 35. Killian Dane and Phil Atlas, 34. The American Balloon, James Wallace and Superfly, 32. Roger Ruiz and Jojo Bravo, they turn 31. Notable debuts this week in history. Raven debuted in 1988. Stevie Richards in 92. Paul Burchill in 02. And Kofi Kingston in 2006. And finally, notable deaths this week. Those who passed away this week in wrestling history. George Hackenschmidt died at age 89. Lobo Brown at 85. Bobby Nelson at 84. Cyclone Negro and Jersey Joe Walcott died at age 80. Jack Hagen at 78, Roger McKay, 76, Yvonne Bulba, 75, Nick Roberts, 72, Joe Esposito and Ivan Yarkatov, 71, Sweet Hansen died at 68, Luther Lindsay at 67, Tojo Yamamoto died at 65, Floyd Hansen at 63, Stacy Hall at 62, Moondog Splash and Bruiser Bedlam at 51, Dean Detton, at 49, Mark Scarpa at 48. The Renegade died at age 33, Bobby Shane at 29, and Steve Brody died at age 28. And with that, I bid you farewell once again to This Week in Wrestling History. Follow me on Twitter, at DonTonyD. The website, DonTony.com. Email me, DonTony at DonTony.com. Facebook.com slash DTKC show. If you haven't signed up already, make sure you join our Discord place. It is banging. Over a thousand signed up in less than a few weeks. You got to go check it out. And as always, if you like what we do, you want to help support the shows, help us keep these bills paid, the lights on, and some of these shows free for everyone, consider our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Don Tony. Five bucks gets you everything. Get 
Patreon exclusive shows. Yours truly hosts the show Breakfast Soup every other week with Mish of Wrestling Soup. Kevin Castle does his solo show Castle Chronicles every other week. We now have a live show that airs every Tuesday exclusive on Patreon that airs immediately after SmackDown. We have pay-per-view predictions contests. We have early releases of other shows, ad-free episodes of the DTKC show, Breakfast of Blossie. You have blah, 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 and a lot of other stuff going on. Patreon.com slash Don Tony. There is no other Patreon page that is going to give you that much for that little. And it's our way of saying thank you. And most importantly, thank you for helping us keep these shows around. With that, I'm out of here. Take care, everyone. Enjoy the rest of the week. I will return next week with season two, episode nine of This Week in Wrestling History. Take care, everyone. Ciao. Bet Saratoga this summer with Naira Bets, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Go to nyrabets.com for details and sign up today. Bet Saratoga from anywhere this summer with Naira Bets, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. Naira Bets players enjoy world-class HD live streaming covering races worldwide, instant replays, exclusive bonuses, and earn points on every bet. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Join today at nyrabets.com and make sure to use promo code SPA to earn your sign-up bonus up to $200.